Okay, welcome to Left of the Throne, a Game of Thrones review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I've been waiting for this moment all of my life. Um, no, <laughs> at least for the last few months since we came up with the idea. Uh, this has been an exciting time these last two years between the last season of Game of Thrones and the forthcoming season. I think uh, there's only, what, uh, six sleeps left before the, the new season starts, I believe. Is the way yeah, the campaign has pitched it. Tweeted that today. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, you know, if you guys uh, are familiar with our work, we uh, host a pl- uh, socialist podcast called Move Left Idiots uh, Weekly Show. Uh, so, I suspect a lot of you will be migrating over from there uh, to listen to this. But I'm sure you know Game of Thrones is uh, the most popular show in the country, the most downloaded downloaded show in the world. I'm sure we're going to get some. Uh, non uh, move left idiots listeners so uh, you know welcome uh, we're going to be reviewing Game of Thrones from uh, from a leftist perspective I mean it's not going to really be a show heavily focused on politics but I'm sure we're going to be bringing our uh, perspectives on society yeah. well, and on it's, the it's, world in general to the, the show the- is very political right and and you see the the politics of our times reflected in that so we'll talk a bit about that um, along the way uh so it's yeah i mean you you really when you look at this show what sets somebody like um you know john snow apart from say ramsey bolton well it's 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 the way they treat people but that's also reflective of their entire worldview right so yeah. i think that that's an overtly political thing that the show um, showcases very well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and I'm sure we're going to get into that as we discuss each of the characters. Um, so, you know, what we thought about, because uh, obviously season eight is starting this coming Sunday, uh, and we can't fucking wait. Uh, but we wanted to kind of put a preview episode out just to talk about our thoughts on the series overall, uh, our thoughts on where some of the characters stand, and... Um, kind of our, 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 our wishes for uh, season eight and when, and how we think it's going to all uh, shake out. So uh, before we get into each kind of character, I wanted to talk about uh, just generalized uh, feelings about the series overall. Like uh, for you, how did you come to start watching Game of Thrones? Cause I know sure. for like, for me, it was like, I'm not a, in a fantasy. I fucking hate Lord of the Rings. Like I'm not like a, <laughs> right. It's not like, I'm not like, Oh fuck D and D, but like, it's just never been my thing. So it, it's not a series I ever thought I would watch. And I resisted it for years. Did you kind of have the same experience with uh, somewhat? So I live right across the street from a park. Right. And in the summertime, um, it's, it's a big park. It's like two whole city blocks here. But right across the street from where is where these these guys, these LARPers come to actually do like real sword fighting, like training how to do like real combat sword stuff. And they'll kind of like dress up and cosplay, but like they're real fucking swords. I don't know them. They're probably not related. (laughs) But, you know, if I had seen that 10 years ago, it would have been like nerds. (laughs) And now I see it. I'm like, hey, guys, are kind of cool. Actually, looks pretty badass. So. Uh, also, you know, I didn't, I didn't hate Lord of the Rings. It's just not my thing, but Lord of the Rings is, you know, it's for kids, right? Well, it was um, also just fucking boring as hell, but that's, that's just more of a film. Yeah, it's you know, tedious, film tedious, absolutely. And the themes of it are not, there's no political theme at all, uh, to the, to that series. And, you know, a lot of it's just kind of hokey, 
honestly. And no, it's never no. been my, like when I, when I was a kid and I played with Legos, it was like the regular city Legos and then like the space Legos. And then later on, like a little bit of the pirate Legos, but never the medieval Legos. Cause I was just like, don't care. Not my thing. Swords, knights, dragons, castles could not give a fuck. Right. And even yeah. the first time I tried to get into this show, it was season one. It was just, there was too many fucking people and half the time they're just talking about people that they haven't even shown yet. So you're like, who the fuck are they talking about? I don't know. I have no idea. And so it wasn't until a few years later, uh, the show's been on for a while now. And then I think it was, I started watching, I was dating somebody that was into it and we watched like a, I think it was an episode of maybe somewhere in season six. And it was totally without context. I had no idea where, how, you know, how we got to this point. But I was like, holy shit, this show's for grownups. This really is actually good. So I ended up, I didn't want to go back and start at season one, right? But I knew lots of people had been killed off. So I started it, it like just randomly picked an episode out of the middle towards the, maybe the end of season two, right? And I didn't know a lot about what was going on, but it was okay. Because so much of the show was just lore from before the show starts anyway. So it was sure. still kind of like... It was tighter. It was more focused on a smaller group of people, right? And I took, it, you know, from season end of season two, beginning of three onward up until the end of season seven. And then I went back and watched season one. And what a fucking trip that was because it was suddenly it was like, oh, here's all the people I know I don't have to care about because they're dead, right? Here's all the fucking, you know, all the people we shook off at some point. And also just like what a trip season one is compared to where you end up at the end of the show. Where, it's like an indie film compared to the, the way yeah, it looks now. It, and it's just like the characters are are so undefined, you know, mm -hmm. like Littlefinger feels like a caricature of Littlefinger where he's like, you know, like Sansa. It's like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is like a bad parody of Game of Thrones. Um, but I did uh, in preparation for this go back and rewatch the entire series. So it's all very fresh in my mind. Just within the last, I'd say, three to three weeks, I've redone the whole series right oh, up wow. until right about season just before season seven, which I, I've already rewatched that season so many times, I don't really need to again. But yeah. I feel like more than at any other point since the show started and since I've been watching it, I have a clear memory of everything that's happened. And that's such a weird thing because so many people have a different memory of things that take place in that show than the way they actually happened uh, or, or the order in which they happened. Well, like, I, I don't remember if I was talking to you or somebody at work about it, but I was like, man, I wonder if Littlefinger is going to end up on the throne. And they're like, wait, no, Littlefinger's dead. Like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, fuck. I totally, like, there's so many little things that happen wait, on Littlefinger dies? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, and I should say up front, obviously, I mean, if you're listening to this, you know, don't, we're going to talk about every major event from the series. So don't listen to right. this if you haven't seen the entire series. Goes without saying. And if you um, are, but, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, it's like weird. Like, go Probably watch the show. Season eight um, Press pause. People just then you will watch 70 episodes and, I, and come back to us. Yeah. <laughs> go devote fucking three weeks of your life to, to watching. A, no. Um, so, yeah. I um, Yeah, and I, there's just so much shit that happened in season seven, especially, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, it was so dense that there's so many things that happened that I totally forgot happened, which is amazing. It's like there's so many – the plot really fucking cooked in season seven. But for me, I – um, yeah, I, I also kind of resisted at first because I was uh, not a huge fantasy person. Like I, I kind of liked uh, – I mean like, you know, of course I love like the Princess Bride and shit, but I was never like – super into like any like fantasy series or novels or D and D and shit like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't like scoff at it or look or look down on it, but it was just never my thing. 
So everyone's like, oh, you should watch this show. I'm like, eh, whatever, you know. Um, but it got such buzz. I was like, ah, fuck it. I'll just watch it. And uh, season one, I, I kind of had the same experience where, like, at first I was just like, what the fuck is going on? There's too many people. There's, like, kind of some weird fantasy elements, but not really. It's just kind of like a drama with a bunch of people who I don't give a fuck about. Mm-hmm. But if you really kind of push through the first couple episodes, uh, and, you know, I, the first episode, the way it ends where, you know, Jamie and Cersei, brother and sister, are like making out in that tower and Bran climbs up and uh, sees they're them. they're doing a bit more than making out. I don't know if you remember, but. I, uh, I, I haven't seen that episode in t- five oh, years. Were, were they like hardcore oh, yeah, going they, at it? They were like hardcore fucking. Yeah. And. Uh, I don't remember. Yep. Okay. Yep. But it yep. ain't. And Bran catches them and, uh, and Jamie throws him out the window. It goes on the things I do for love. And then the episode ends. I was like, all right, this is a good show. I'm I'm, I'm committed to this show. Because, like, I just love that sense of humor. I was like, you know, it's rough, but the show is not like a stuffy period, you know, bullshit. Like, I'll give it a chance. And I think from then on, it was just like a steady increase in my interest and a steady increase in the quality of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, but somebody you know, like speaking of stuffy though, but because I like Game of Thrones now, I can watch a show like The Crown and actually get into it. <laughs> Whereas before, I probably would, wouldn't have before. Yeah. I haven't watched that yet, but I'm sure that I'm sure I'm more open to shows like this. Although I would imagine most like shows that are fantasy type oh, shows will pale in comparison. Good, but The Crown is good history. Uh, I mean, it's definitely like it <clears> looks at <throat> them with loving eyes, right? There's a scene where. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of their former colonies uh, in in Africa goes communist, and there's like scary dark music music playing as they take down the queen's <laughs> photo and put up Lenin's photo. And you're supposed to be scared, so and I'm funny. just like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> so there's definitely historical moments where you're like, communism's Turn taking that over. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um. But yeah, so I I, I was pretty pretty hooked from there, and I I think I started. I'm pretty sure it was either in the interim between three and four or the interim between four and five. I th- I'm pretty sure the first season I was watching live was season five, which ends with Jon Snow getting shanked to death by a bunch of fucking, you know, burly former, men, former yeah. comrades. Yeah. Well, yeah. and that was um, kind of like the, one of the few cliffhanger, like who shot Jr. kind of very TV moments where you're kind of like, I didn't because of that. I heard about it and didn't really want to get into it because I was like, "Oh, that's just a trope." Like they kill, you know. Of course, they bring them back to life, and uh, you know, it's it's well, funny. So I was watching a little video of uh, J.R.R. What is it? Uh, what is his name? No, you think of J.R.R. Tolkien, George R.R. R. Martin. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Which he named. I'm sure he named himself just to be. Of course. Like yeah. Yeah. Of course. He's like, uh, oh yeah, my confirmation he, names like uh, Randall. I, st- <laughs> I started. <laughs> yeah. I mixed them up in my brain. Well, he he's good at naming people, right? Like I love the mix of different names and that how what it reflects and what it represents well, and everything. So, but uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's funny you say that because actually in the book, a lot of his characters are named too similarly. They had to change for the show. Like Yara on the sh- in in the book is named Asha, and Asha and Arya are so close that the show had to change it. And there's a couple other things like that where he was like. Not well, he super just, clever. He with did that on purpose, though, because he basically said he had another video I was watching him where he's talking about how you're not supposed to name characters with even the same first letter of the name because mm. people could get confused. And he's like, well, I plan on having more than 26 characters in this book. And, you know, sure enough, you go to the IMDb page and just start scrolling through all the fucking character names. You're like, oh, my God, sure. you can't find a single one if you're looking for it. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and, you know, you've got like Bran and Braun. 
right? And it's like, if you see them, you can tell them apart. But if someone's talking about that, you're like, wait, who, what was, which one is which? Jorah and Jor. Uh, it, like, how often do you hear Tormund's <laughs> name get saying? Like, they never say each other's names because in real life, how often do you say anyone's name? You just talk to them. You just start talking to them because you see them all the time, right? So I was like, what's, what's the big fucking Nordic red hair you know, wildling. I, I couldn't remember his name till today. That's the like, best oh, yeah, character in the Torment. series. Yeah, I loved I love Torment. Uh, yeah, every, um, everyone does. Everyone does. Um, yeah, but it's just, I think he does a good job because you, you've got like the real basic simple names, Jon Snow, and then you've got Daenerys Targaryen. We're like, whoa, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> Jon Snow, don't you mean Aegon Targaryen? Which I ne- that's, I'm never going to get used to that. That's so bizarre. No, no, yeah. It's, that's, it's, it's always going to be Jon Snow to me. Yeah, no, obviously. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think I started right around then. And I, you know, I just watching the show live is such a different experience than binging it. Um, you know, it's I actually think it's a lot better to watch it live. Like, so I, I really hope anyone, you know, listening to this gets a chance, like is coming to this while the before the season airs and isn't coming to this afterwards, because it's it's definitely really fun to binge it because it's like crazy shit happens every week and you want to, you know, see what happens. But there, there's Everyone something to like the reading the fucking yeah. think pieces every week and like re- thinking about like, Oh, you know, this theory, it, maybe this theory will come true. And like, what's going to happen with this person. And, you know, like there, there, there's a lot of fun to like the group experience. Oh, of absolutely. And, and if you live in a big city where there's viewing parties at like bars or theaters or wherever, yeah, yeah. go do that shit because that is the most fun to hear to be in that room with, you know, a hundred other fans all reacting in real time. It makes it such a more visceral experience. Yeah. There's a bar in Chicago that's like famous for like, they, they, they put up YouTube videos of like, cause they, they want, they show the show there every week and like people like flip out and like, Oh shit. Like every time something crazy. Happens. Oh yeah. Like it's the, like weirdly the, the, the fuck you Ollie video. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and it's really, fu- it's actually weirdly like enjoyable to watch. I, I think I was telling you and Pat the other day, like that's the closest, uh, I've ever gotten to understanding like youth culture, <laughs> like where people will just watch like like g- gaming videos where people like watch the the the, the games right. instead they of actually playing. It. Yeah, it's like the well, closest like, thing. I was like, I kind of get it. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's like going like Rocky War Picture Show. You know, you're you're dressing up, you're singing along, you're all there because you're super fans of something. Um, or, or like I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Room. Tommy Wiseau's. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I know they, they do a similar kind of similar kind of thing, and that's a lot of fun. Because like the first time you watch it, you're like, "This is not funny," and like people are like, "Yeah, that's the point." And you're like, <laughs> "But he made it for." He pretends it's a comedy now, even though it wasn't. It's just terrible. And like, yeah, he's a weirdo. Oh yeah, he's so he's such a weird self promoter, but he's he's great. Like that's who he is. You know, yeah, that's, that's it's, his... and it's hilarious because all the things that people do with those are just you're like it, you realize the absurdity of it even more. Yeah, when people all you know make a make an event out of it, but. <laughs> um so So, but so with the you know you mentioned the Jon Snow thing and uh I knew about that that was one of the things that was kind of an unavoidable spoiler but so the funny thing is like the books uh you know George Martin is notoriously slow in writing these books like he was supposed to have the whole series finished by the time the show was on like season like two or three like he was supposed to have the whole series done and he fucking you know is being lazy or whatever you want to say he's doing like he's writing a bunch of other books books did he even write since they started character none none of uh, <laughs> yes. i'm pretty sure it's, the fifth book came out before the first season i could yeah. be right it might have been right around but in any event like both 
that that he, he had he's like oh well i have the sixth and seventh books basically written but you know i'm just tweaking them and it's like the sixth book never came out so technically right you know they're more or less on season five in the books like with a couple stories well, and like, i'm sure hbo was totally it, fine with that where they're like sweet that's just less crap for us to have to adapt and get right like we can just fucking you know we've got the outline uh and i think it was it was um you know when when hordor dies is one of the first uh parts of the show that was past where he had written and you know that was that was just kind of like you don't even really understand exactly what happened there but it's such an amazing moment that doesn't exist on paper yet i mean aside from what was what they scripted well and, and it, you know there was this weird thing too before you got and i and i think the, this is why i'm definitely sure i will start watching before season five because i remember this where like especially in like online articles or forums or whatever, people would be really obnoxious who read the books. They'd be like, well, I guess you think that that's going to happen, but you wait till you see what happens with John or wait till you see. I'm like, now like everyone's kind of on an even playing field when it comes to, cause you know, the, the, the fifth book ends with John Snow getting stabbed. Like, so if you imagine you're a, somebody who's read that series, that the first book in that series came out in 1996. Imagine you're someone who's read that series for like 15 years the most beloved character in the series gets fucking shanked to death by all of his own men at the end of season five. And you're like, what? That, that's it? Like, that's the last page? What the fuck? And like, <laughs> it's been, you have to wait like six years to find out what the fuck actually happened to him. Like, yeah. that's such a brutal, like, dick move by George Martin. <laughs> but, oh, um, well, you know, it's, it's like, but, you know, it, either he's dead and stays dead or he gets resurrected. In this case, he got resurrected because that was just kind of the. Well, so, and you know, it, you, it is tropey to an extent, but it's also important if he is going to be like the, the prophesized, you know, the, the one who's going to, you know, the, the, who is like the whole sure. crux of the, well, the song of ice and fire. Like, not that's to what get is. too much into details right now, but it's like the, mm-hmm. the thing I like about this show is that it's not constant, you know, dragons and wizards and fucking spells it's like the the magic in here is very limited and we don't even really see it there's only one time when they kind of jump the shark and they show you like you actually see something magic that can't really exist it's sort of metaphysical beyond just like a a a zombie (laughs) or uh you (laughs) know somebody who's got a fucking you know stone for skin or whatever but it's like a virus or whatever there's one moment where they kind of you know early on in the show where they went a little too far with it and you're kind of like i don't know about that and they never really kind of go back that far again but for the most part just someone coming back to life that's you know i mean we do that in hospitals right so i I like that it's kind of this it's it's weirdly grounded if it, it is yeah um and for, for her sure to, to right and uh, it's also just like you know a lot of people don't believe in it you've got old gods you've got new gods you've got tree gods you got gods of the ocean it's all like and some people believe in all of it some people don't believe in any of it and that's that's a really rich tapestry of of a world where you know you can you can have that much nuance and i think so for somebody yeah. like um, some of our more pragmatic heroes in the show who don't believe in that, it takes some convincing. And you realize once they get to the point where they do believe there's more to it, they're like, okay, now they're, you know, they're, they're moving towards mm-hmm. something. And we know that there is more than just a fight to become, you know, the, the king of the realm and sit in that throne. There's a lot more going on than that in this, in this whole world. And that's why like somebody like John, I, I, I just love, 
the character development of that character. And I really think he's like the heart of the show because it, it, he, he never has like big reactions and people used to kind of make fun of how like droll he was like his performance, but it really over time made sense, like playing the long game because he really is just this kind of uh, just perpetual underdog, you know, like he for so long thought he was a bastard and he was kind of the, like you know even even fucking ned's wife like treated him like shit and didn't really like him and like he's just always had this kind of like dour like well you know i'm just kind of an everyman and whatever and it turns out like he might be the one who sits on the iron throne at the end and rules the entire fucking seven kingdoms because he's really the one who's actually got the best theoretically the best uh claim to the iron throne and it's beautiful because it's like this guy who's really the the closest thing the show has to an everyman, the closest thing they have to like almost a pop, well not not a pauper, but like a just just a, a character who is who's of no, you know, uh, apparent nobility and no, he, he, there's no entitlement to Jon Snow. Like he's he doesn't want he didn't want to be the king in the north. He didn't want to you know he he reluctantly stepped into the void left by Ned's death in season one. And really, kind of be, took on the the burden of Ned Stark and to the point where he it got him fucking killed because, like Ned, he was way too trusting of people and he was, you know, kind of kind of a fool. But sure. like, he, but that's sure. well, also his charm because he's that's he's like he believes in people to a fault. He believes in people to a fault. Yeah, but that's also the the range of different character types. Fucking Ollie is, is is amazing in this show where you've got you know the the closest connection this has to Lord of the Rings is the friendship between John and Sam where you're just like, you know, in yeah. Lord of the Rings, the whole thing is this gooey, like, Oh, actually the, you know, the, the real journey is friendship. And you're like, Oh, like, <laughs> that's stupid. But you do get a few, those moments are, are few and far between, but you do get a few of them in the show between them. And you realize that you, that, that is an element of life that is important, obviously. But uh, at most of the time people are too craven and cowardly and greedy to, you know, to really uh, value those things. Uh, and I think that the show is very good at, at, at picking its moments and uh, earning those moments so that you feel like it's not just a bunch of, you know, fluff up your ass. Right. Uh, but, but also just the character of Sam and also Gilly. It's like, these are people who can't protect themselves, who this world just grinds up and chews out and slaughters by the thousands. Right. It, but they're good and decent people, even though Sam's very intelligent from books and Gilly's obviously not. Uh, she possesses what I call you know, emotional or moral intelligence. Um, yeah. She has not seen much of the world, but she knows right from wrong and she can tell when something's good or bad. Uh, and, and those characters are really important to have, too, because without it, you would have nothing but Ramsey Boltons. Like you need to show the people who are uh, the opposite of that to know why someone like that is so terrible. You know, to 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 really fear for those people that have those vulnerabilities in that world. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and you know, you mentioned Sam, but that's another thing that John, you know, kind of died protecting Sam at Castle Black. Like that was the first thing I think that people started to turn against John when he was like protecting Sam when when all the uh, the other fucking you know the street toughs of the Castle Black were uh, fucking with Sam, and uh, you know that's like just something that. Uh, it, it, it grounds a character in such a way that when he dies, it's a really affecting death in season five. Like it's the most affecting death of the series up to that point. Cause he didn't know like what the, like is what the fuck, like we don't know if he's going to come back and like, this is the whole, you know, and it's, and it's like, well, the show killed off. It's 
presumably main character in season one. Like everyone thought, you know, Ned Stark that's oh, yeah. gonna be the main guy. Of He's course. on the fucking poster. Like that's you, the guy. You, you thought this was gonna be like a Lord of the Rings spinoff, basically, and just like, nope. Yeah. We're gonna fucking kill off the guy. Chop who, his fucking head off in front who, of his dog. Yeah, I mean they basically they literally kill the king from Lord of the Rings is what they do. Yeah, it's fucking nuts, man. <laughs> so they're just it's like we're gonna shatter your illusions real fast on this one, guys. <laughs> um um, but the, the, yeah, it, it's it, it is such an amazing, you know. There's when was the last time a new epic franchise as big as you know, say Star Wars was created? You know, that only happens about yeah, once yeah. a decade that a, a, a huge new thing or the Marvel franchise. I can yeah, I was gonna say I can, maybe Marvel I could count like a handful, maybe. Yeah, Star Trek uh, would be like they're the still 60s, churning out Star Wars. That's how it, Star you know, Wars would be the seventies exactly. Um, so this is and this is a huge thing. <clears throat> worldwide phenomenon and they've done it a really good job you know and but if it was just a show about greedy assholes killing each other for a throne i wouldn't enjoy it right like no that's that's not the thing that i get out of it the thing that i get out of it is that is the political stuff too but also just that the you know you look at a show like a a series like star wars and you've got good versus evil and that sort of the the general baseline of society is is very unethical you know it's just like there's there's uh smugglers and uh some degree of slavery and everything and no one's really trying to change that right they're only really trying to stop the empire but no one's trying to change the fundamental unethicalness of society whereas this show is very much about that not at first but eventually that's where we get to we we see these people who are broken they're you know bastards or they're cripples or they've had an arm chopped off or there's something about them that makes them uh there's they have their own adversity they have to overcome Right. But because of that, they are more ethical than most people, than the baseline of society. And they get get to a point where they're like, we have to change society. We have to break the wheel. We have to, you know, get rid of slavery. We have to, uh, you know, kill off these slave masters or we're going to live in misery forever. And if we have the power to do good, let's do it. Right. So in that sense, I think there is definitely a socialist <laughs> underpinning. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, the the show, you know, essentially started off as a very human story about like the kind of good and evil of, you know, of man. Uh, and, you know, all the characters who were shits uh, ended up really getting their comeuppance almost to a man. Uh, and what we're left with is that tapestry of these kind of broken characters like you were talking about, like everyone who's still alive on the show, even if they're on opposing sides, we care about like Jamie and you know john are on different sides but i don't want fucking like jamie's like one of my favorite characters on the series like he's had such an amazing redemptive arc to the point where for like sure. season one he's just like some douchey you know kind of like well-off prince and well, now he's like one of the like most kind of moral and like interesting characters on the show and i'm like fuck i really hope well, he yeah, ends up a- absolutely when when that you know the the, the battle for the uh the, uh, oh, the the loot train the supply so train speak. Yeah. yeah the when they stole all that uh uh pyro gold to pay off their yeah we pay off your debt off our debts with other people's money um <laughs> yeah you're, you're like oh fuck i want i don't want anyone to get hurt here like yeah I no, I, inside. I, I, uh but yeah i, I, I was like I, this I, is I, the greatest I, thing ever but oh, fuck don't kill john and don't kill don't kill and, uh don't kill daenerys know, don't kill jamie when you talk about a show that really gives its fans what they want you know, like it might really hurt their fans for a long time, but you will you will see that payoff eventually. You will get that revenge eventually uh, for the yeah. horrible thing that you had to witness that happened, you know, years ago. 
Um, but when you talk about like dragons and wizards and everything, you like, you got to talk about CGI. Like, how do you make it look real? How do you make it, you know, just feel like a real fucking dragon would feel if you really saw that. And part of that's the sound editing, part of that's the, the CGI and everything, but also it's just like, what would a giant winged, uh, lizard really be able to do to, to a bunch of dudes in, you know, what would that really look like? Well, that would, that would be like a fucking B-52 dropping, uh, you know, just carpet bombing Vietnam. I mean, it would just obliterate everything in its path. Nobody would live through that. And that's exactly what the show really shows. This is not a fucking Lord of the Rings battle that goes on forever. And the dragon flies in and torches a guy and then flies away. And then it's like, well, where'd the dragon go? Now everyone's still fight, like, no, like the dragon would come in there and kill a hundred motherfuckers in a second. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weapon of mass destruction. I mean, it's, yeah. there's no two ways of... And and the thing that like at that scene in particular, like we're talking about that supply train scene, it, it was just such an amazing culmination of everything that the series had been building up to. And I just love like the sound design, like you mentioned, the sound design in the episode. Every like, you know, when the when the dragon finally like rears up and like just burns like fifty fucking Lannister red shirts, it's just this concussive, amazing like like it's not oh, at all yeah. like, you know, that like the CGI like video game cutscene. Like it feels like a real fucking thing and you could see what like that insane budget they had like well 15 million an episode or whatever exactly. it was it's like that's and there's, where it fucking there's went. certain <laughs> there's certain elements where you can't tell if the sound effect or if it's really part of the score but there is that one mm-hmm. kind of like that that sound right right before the fire comes out of the dragon that you hear several times mm-hmm. and it's like a it almost sounds like someone's scaling down like a guitar with like a an effect pedal on it. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's like, like, a, it's like, like a rattle. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know. It's like some kind of bend, some kind of effect, but it's, it's not a, exactly a sound effect. It's not exactly score, but it just, you feel like this, this force behind it. Um, I wonder with that particular sound effect, how much inspiration they took from uh, the 2014 Godzilla movie. Cause there's that awesome, like climb in the climax of that movie, like mm-hmm. the Gareth Reynolds movie where like, where you, where, you, where Godzilla finally like, like unleashes his fucking fire, like the nuclear fire breath, and you right. get like that amazing fucking yeah, like power audio work. Kind of uh, yeah, yeah. and even such a cool Jurassic Park, or just all of it is led up to this. You know, where the, the even at the beginning of the show, when you first see the dragons, little chicken-sized babies, the CGI wasn't that good yet. You know, right? and their budget no. was much smaller. But you get to the end of this, where you know, especially when you've got not just a huge effect shot, but like the up close detail, like when John meets the dragon up close and touches his nose face to face, that's all CGI. And it looks amazing. Just all the, just all of it looks incredible. And, and it's one thing when you show like a real quick CGI shot and it's moving and it's quickly and you can't really get a fix on it. It's another thing when it's up close, very slow and you're holding on it for a long time. That's really when you can notice uh, bad CGI when your eye has a long time to take it in right and and just phenomenal i a lot of times with the um there's there's city wide shots where you got a wide shot of the whole city right and you yeah. they don't hold on those very long because they think well why would you want to keep looking at a city but those are the ones where i'll pause it i'll freeze frame it and i'll just sit there and look at all the all the attention to detail of the you know that you can tell what's real architecture what's practical and then what's cgi'd in pretty easily if you have a chance to freeze frame it and really look closely and yeah. just all the artistic choices in in making a a, a real medieval city look real um, are, are incredible. It's just uh, so like uh, last night I was watching the um, the the walk of shame that Cersei does, and there's this shot that from behind her 
where she's looking down the stairs and you see that whole like thousands of people who are, she has to walk through freeze frame it on that. Cause you can see the fucking red keep castle. You can see the city. You can see the distance she's got to go all in that one shot and all the people looking up at her down that stairway. It's an incredible shot. Um, if you could get a chance to go back to that scene, freeze frame it and just look at that one single frame for a long time. Yeah. That's why he's free framed at that moment. Had nothing to, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you just see like the back of her head and her shoulders. No, That's and, all and you to, see and to be fair, it's like the, the, the least sexy scene of all. <laughs> like it's a very just brutal, yeah, well, horrible, well, miserable scene They used scene a body double for most of that. I don't think, uh, I mean, Lena Headley's yeah, very beautiful, I but I think that they they pick someone with uh, much larger breasts than she actually has. Um, but yeah, it's not a scene where you're like, oh, look at the titties, you know, like that's not the, the scene's horrifying. <laughs> no, not on your mind. Yeah, no, not on your you, mind. If you're watching that general. scene, and you're like, haha, boobs, like that's there's way better scenes for that than that one in the show. <laughs> yeah, like every other fucking episode of the series. <laughs> yeah. Which is why Ian McShane called. He's like, oh, man, it's just nothing but tits and dragons. And he, he, I think he was just bitter about getting killed off after one episode. Remember, you like popped up in season six, that one episode where he got fucking hung at the end of it. Oh, which which one was he? <laughs> he, he was the one. He like when when uh, when we first got introduced back to the to the hound. Oh, he, he, he was like one of the village. people that he, yeah, he hung there. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that, that's, I love that scene. Cause he's just, what does he say? Like, uh, you die like a, you, you die like shit or you die like, uh, what does he say? <laughs> What's the line? You died like a cunt or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. When he fucking. Hound is the best fucking, has the best fucking one liners on the planet. Oh, brown, a fucking tarth. Yeah. He's great. Um, <laughs> what he fucking says to the top knock guy, like, oh, you fuck. You're not fooling remember. me with it. You know, you're going bald. You're not fooling me with that top knot. Um, which is such a, like a funny, con, you know. Or no, he says, you're not fooling, fooling anyone, you bald cunt. Or yeah. Yeah. Cause, you know, like they call it a man bun now. And at the time, those were, mm-hmm. were kind of obnoxious. So to come up with a different word for it and still make a joke about it was such a great moment. Um, and he is I such a, that. like, beloved character you know especially with his arc with Arya. um and he's another character who started off on the wrong side and now he's like there's such a humanity to him now well but he's still always there vicious and he kind of you know began teaching Arya how to be brutal and vicious and you because at first she wants to kill him she wants she's on uh, he's know, off he's, on, she's, he's off her list now yeah. right right but I, I you know it was he was the first one that started to really embrace that part of her and nurture it and not you know he went from calling her a, a stark bitch to a you know stupid girl <laughs> to then you know being like well was that your first kill she's like yep first first kill he's like well let me know the next time you're about to do that like he's he's totally fine <laughs> with it just wants a heads up oh you could tell he he loves her by the end like when when he catches up in season seven with brianne and 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 she mentions that like Arya can kind of take care of herself. Now you can see him kind of give that like little smile. It's like that's that that was a really kind of nice moment oh, in the series. A- absolutely, absolutely. The the one thing, and and I'll probably touch on this throughout the the reviews we do, is how much um, people really do embrace Arya and the Hounds' uh, quest for vengeance, whether that's you know in the immediate short term or the long term. As you know, Hound finds all of his new church building buddies killed. He goes on a rampage with that axe. Um, we're always rooting for that, right? We're like, that's fucking deserve it. But somehow we never feel that way about Cersei, even though almost everything she does that's horrible and cruel and vicious is payback for something horrible done to her. 
we don't really see it that way as an audience. And I'm, I'm kind of perplexed as to why rewatching it. I feel like almost everything she did was justified. There's only a few places where you're kind of like, that wasn't necessary. Well, it's, Let's mostly save the Cersei talk because yeah. I want to get to yeah. Kind I'm just kind of outlining, just kind of outlining right now. But uh, but yeah, it, I, it's, I think it's a lot more guilt by association because her family are a bunch of assholes almost to the man, except for Jamie and Tyrion. <laughs> like her father was an asshole. You know, he was a calculating one, but her son is the worst piece of shit that series has ever well, seen. You know? I, I think it's more than that. I think there is a little bit of level of sexism too, where there's certain kinds of. Uh, vengefulness that get associated with women that's seen as petty and and somehow undeserving. But it, we'll get into more sure. of the details. And I think that um, my my sort of my thesis here, uh, I will definitely uh, expound upon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I feel like uh, even just my own memory, like I remembered her being terrible, and then going back and rewatching, I'm like, oh, actually, she didn't even do that. That was somebody else. There's a few of those moments like that where it's like I had my own memory corrected by rewatching some of those early episodes. Yeah. And I, and I, I want to, I'll talk, I want to talk more about it later, but I think uh, to some extent people don't, won't forgive her for not putting a stop to Joffrey. Like not, and, and again, I don't know if that's fair. Cause I don't know that she could have, but you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of people see her sitting beside him and she clearly is uncomfortable for a lot of the shit he did. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's arguably the most evil character the show's seen other than like Rams, most evil human character mm. <laughs> that the show's seen other than Ramsey. But, um, it, it, I think a lot of people are like, Hey, that that's your fucking kid. Like the same way we're like, Hey, Barbara Bush, you raised a bunch of fucking horrible sons and, a hor- you know, you had a horrible husband. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's that's part of it. But let, well, let's save Cersei's talk for when we get to her character, okay. you know, breakdown. So we'll, we'll talk a lot about her, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, I want to get into where each of the characters are. Uh, a b- broad strokes, some of the some of the uh, the cont- remaining contenders for the Iron Throne, more or less, like, w- where they stand. Um so I want to start off with Arya. Uh, you know, obviously the last we saw of her, uh, she was cutting Littlefinger's throat in Winterfell. You know, the, the, that the whole arc of the season was really, uh, they they pulled this great kind of rope-a-dope where we thought like, oh, Littlefinger's going to get her to kill Sansa or she's going to get Sansa to get her guards to kill Arya. Like that was clearly like where the show was leading us in a, in a really ham-fisted way. And I was like, yeah, this is kind of, a little, a little like over the top that Arya would be this stupid to fall for this. Like that was what I remember thinking watching season seven, and it turns out the whole time like they were on to the bullshit he was pulling, and they fucking you know finally Littlefinger got what he deserves for for the kind of machinations. Um, so that's basically where we left off with Arya. Obviously, she's you know not the same Arya. she's she's not quite Arya stark like in the same way that brand's not really brand stark anymore like she's you know she she like was you know a faceless man and then now she's kind well, of Arya again but she's a totally different person than, sure, we, than we meet sure. in season but one but you realize that a lot of her um you know how how awful she appears to be to sansa is a misdirection how they know exactly. they know they're yeah. being watched and they've had a few moments together and what they every time they have like a big uh, falling out scene, it's in public or a place they know that he's he can watch them from loud, like where they're loud about it. Yeah. Right. So it's like it's very clear to me that Arya is a lot smarter than that. And she the you know, the Stark family is good at working together when they're together. You know, same thing with 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 um, 
with Bran is that you feel like he's turned into like total Dr. Manhattan for a while there. And he's just like become a sociopath and can't really be bothered with normal people. But then Sam shows up and like they instantly bond with each other. It's like they're, they're immediate friends. And I love the the little scene where, um, where Sam, uh, Bran tells him something that he, he knows and Sam's like, did you see that in a vision? And he, <laughs> yeah. he, he, just, he just like silent, like silently holds up the note that he got from a, from a raven. <laughs> the and, raven yeah. and he realized that like, he's still, you know, he's still human. You know, he still has a sense of humor. He's, they're gonna, they're gonna work together. Right. And, and the revelations they have, they're going to work to, you know, let other people know. And, and this really is kind of like the A team of, all the people we want to be back together. So um, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 what do you think about that? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's, that's, you know, the purpose that Bran and Sam serve at this point is that they're going to be there to provide the revelations for these characters in a world where there's no, uh, you know, internet or phone or like there's no kind of telecommunications. They're going to be the ones who are like, no, look, I, I saw this in a vision or I read this at the Citadel. Like this is your true parentage. And I think, you know, and I'll get to another thing that I think they may or may not be able to reveal at some point uh, on the series when we talk about another character later. But I think that that's a really interesting place because Bran for a long time was such an albatross on the show. You know, he was just the guy that Hodor had to fucking carry around. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is more brand shit. Like, I remember thinking that watching like season you know, three or whatever it was. And he's become such an intricate, like, <laughs> and he, not without his moments where I'm like, Brand, dude, what the fuck, man? Like where he's like sitting out at the tree with Sansa and he's like, oh, you were so beautiful on your wedding night. And she's just like, dude, like, really? Like, come on. <laughs> but <laughs> like, I get you're, I get you're like a fifth dimensional being now, but have a little fucking tact, you know? Like, yeah, that wasn't exactly a fun day. <laughs> yeah, uh, that one. But, uh, well, it, it's, um, yeah. It, and, but a lot of that stuff was, I feel like they stretched out a bit of it because they needed kind of like a, like a vision quest type <clears throat> thing, like kind of more sure. of a, a Lord of the Rings type story to kind of happen in there and i think that part of the part of brands you know wandering around made people think that everyone took years to go from one place to another and in fact if most people in the show if they're going from point a point b get there in less than two episodes i mentioned this a little bit on our last political cast where really it's like you know people in season seven like they're just sitting a raven like every five minutes you know communicating back and forth but they do the same thing in the first season like there's messages that arrive that? Yeah. just in a few minutes basically um so yeah well i think it was yeah was that and i think it was also daenerys kind of like staying put in these cities like for fucking season like a whole season where it's like why are you fucking in marine just leave you have your fucking army just leave you have your dragons but sure i think the the show was at the mercy of the books for a long time where it was like george martin had like a bunch of interesting end goals for all these characters and unfortunately, the way the book was written didn't necessarily break down to a cohesive series arc. Like the mm-hmm. the first season is more or less the first book, but the fifth season had like, or, or excuse me, like the sixth and seventh seasons still had things that were going on in the fifth book, like happened in them. So like it, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't a one-to-one translation. So I think that that led to a little bit of lag for certain characters where it was like, well, we have to bog them down doing this for a season. But then while this character does 50 things, 
but now it's finally to the end game sure. and they're finally unmoored from the the kind of well, albatross but, of this story arc think of the about, book where they're like, hey, let's just fucking do it everything every episode. You know? Right. But that's how life is sometimes where you've had a plan to go do a thing for years, but you're just you're tied down because of a job or whatever, you know, or or your fucking dragon flies away and doesn't come back. And you're like, well, fuck, I can't go take king's lane without my dragons what are they when are they gonna come back and uh so yeah i, I like you know, that about serving as a dead end queen at a dead end kingdom you know for a whole seat like that's you know right. you just get stuck in it well and it's but the thing is like the you know the very first scene in the movie it, it has a white walker in it or has the whites in it like it, yeah. it's the very opening scene of the story so it's like yes it's taken a long time <laughs> to get where we are but now it's like now once you have everybody on the same page where they they finally get that one, take it to King's Landing and say, hey, look, here it is. <laughs> Here's the fucking zombies. And now it's like, OK, well, we don't have to travel all over the world to get the thing to bring back to here to do the thing. It's like we've got everything's already in place now. Right. And 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 yes, mm-hmm. that does take time. And the, the show has done that. And all these other things have happened on the way that have turned these people into who they are from where they used to be. Uh, and that's really what you want to see. You want to see transformative moments in people's lives, right? Like you, you don't want to, you know, regular day in the life doesn't mean much. You want to show a scene yeah. where somebody changes from who they are from one moment to the next, right? Whether that's a pivotal yeah. moment or whether that's just somebody reacting to something else that it, some other big event, that's why we're watching this. We're not going to watch a movie about somebody sleeping for four hours, <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Arya, you know, I, I want to mention kind of the odds that each of these people will end up on the throne. Obviously, Arya is not, uh, you know, a strong contender. She's not trying to sit on the Iron Throne. So I'd put that at, you know, next to nothing. But um, I want to, I just want each character, I want to bring up like what, what their claim is and how likely it is that they'll end up at, you know, on the throne at the end of the series. So, you know, unless she kills everyone with her little fucking sword and, and there's no one left to sit on the throne. She's like, eh, whatever. But she doesn't, uh, I, I mean, she doesn't care happen. about that at all. It's never been her goals. No, but. no, no, I know. I, I'm just, I want to mention for each person, like I want to sure. mention, uh, they're there. Cause a lot of these people do have, you know, some designs on the iron throne, whether they talk about it or not. Uh, like the next person <laughs> that we're going to talk about, uh, Jamie Lannister. So, the last we see of Jamie, uh, you know, he uh, kind of had that break with Cersei because, you know, they, they had that that amazing scene at the in the fighting or in the uh, dragon pits uh, of King's Landing where, uh, you know, John and every and Daenerys and everyone else brought that that does that the white the zombie um, to show uh cersei like hey you know we're, we have our fucking quabbles but these fucking zombies are going to come and kill us all before we can you know uh resolve our conflict this is who we need to be fighting we need to be united and fighting this and cersei you know after after some talking to was like yeah sh- okay I'll, I'll my armies will fight alongside you uh and then they leave and she's like yeah no we're not gonna fucking do that um and jamie you know for as much of a that was the ultimate i think kind of face turn for jamie so to speak because like the whole series he's had these moments of uh decency and courageousness even though he started off as a kind of a shitheel character uh and i think that was the final moment where he's like fuck this is like no i'm not my fucking sister slash wife slash you know (laughs) lover is not uh 
she's not a good she's not a, being a good person right now like she's not she's not an honorable person right now you know i, I this don't is even not think he cares wanna... about the her going back on her word or being dishonest i think he literally just thinks like she doesn't it's a really stupid strategy she doesn't care if we don't stop these things and they overrun king's land like she has a death wish at this exactly. point like she's lost everything she's on a power trip and doesn't care like she cares more about just uh being prideful of what's hers and not hers to take this very real threat seriously. And that's what he's shocked yeah. most by, I think. Yeah. And, and he, and he's, but that's what I mean. I think that that's the ultimate culmination of what the series has been building towards with him, where he was, you know, kind of kind to Bran and, and like, there was almost even like kind of a romantic thing between them. It seemed like, you know, when they were, when they were together, when Bran was a prisoner, when he was a prisoner, vice versa. And, um, I thought that was the ultimate, like, all right, now now it's safe to root for Jamie. Like he's not fighting for the, he's fighting for the, you know, he's like, I'm going to go fight for the living basically. So he rides away without his Lannister armor on. And the implication is that he's going to go join up with John and Daenerys and all of them to fight the army of the dead, which is just amazing. Cause it's like, you know, he, he started off as his character you're introduced to, uh, as you know, the Kingslayer, like he's considered this horrible traitor that stabbed his King in the back and kicked off the war of the five Kings. But that, I, not, that I, and that's I, another a little, thing, a little quibble. I where, the show. I never understood that either where like, I thought he killed the mad King because they all agreed the King was mad. And that was like a, you know, no. A, so a mercy killing, <laughs> Well, everyone treated him like a traitor because he he killed the, you know killed the Mad King. He stabbed him in the back, and then uh, Ned found him sitting on the Iron Throne after he killed the King. And he's like, "Get the fuck off!" You know, basically, that's the the kind of lore of the series and the the narrative that was written about that event. But you later find out, I, I believe, when Bran started having his visions, when you see when you see the Mad King uh, ordering. Uh, you know the the whole city to be burned down you know that whole like the burn them all thing like we're with with the fucking wildfire right jamie did that to save the the people of king's land of course yeah well i guess that's because he he realizes he's a crazy motherfucker because he was clearly mad before that day like he did other things that were awful it seems like the people would understand that but anyway it's well no but nobody knew that that element of it no, but that's the that's the thing that we kind of learned from Bran. I think that was actually an unknown yeah. kind of speculation of the series is that well, Jamie did that talk to save everybody. Um, you know, when he gets his hand chopped off and him and um, Brienne are sitting in the the hot tub, and he kind of has his emotional breakdown, and she cradles him, and you're kind of like, oh, they're gonna cuddle. Uh, he he <laughs> tells that whole story of of why he did what he did, and it was pure, you know, like this. Uh, the the nickname that's haunted him ever since has always bothered him because he did it because it was trying to prevent the whole. Oh, town he did from like the really like, noble, like courageous, yeah. you know, brave thing, and he's considered this like snivel, like sniveling, you know, backstabbing traitor for it. So I, well, I, I the really... fact that he wasn't killed for killing the king right there say something to the people that there must have been more to it than what they were told. Well, no, well because the, I, that threw the whole th- realm into chaos. I believe that was the. S- start of the war of the five kings like yeah. that's when there was there was like a power vacuum and that's when robert's rebellion and, and you know robert baratheon ended up taking the throne there was a big power struggle but right. he it wasn't that like he, he there was no one to hold him accountable because there's no targaryen in power anymore like the targaryens right. had held the throne for like a hundred years or whatever since 
it, it's a really fucking deep and this is all shit that's happened not on the series like not on screen in right the series. well then it, you know it's like it's real crazy. life if you weren't there how would you pardon me how would you even know right and you know how rumors spread and how word of mouth spreads and this is all before the internet where you can you know google it and find out what's what really happened so yeah <laughs> mythology within the mythology well, yeah, and it's amazing the perspective you have on a character like Jamie at the beginning of the series where we are the moral compass of the show being Ned kind of views him as this like piece of shit, traitor, like coward, stab the king in the back kind of thing. And then you later learn like, hey, you know, even though Ned was this honorable guy, like he had this guy pegged wrong and this guy is not, you know, I mean, sure, he did throw a kid out the window in the first episode of the series. But other than that, I mean, he hasn't really done too well, much. He, you know, he was doing it for love. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, things we do for love. So, um, Jamie, you know, I, he doesn't have an actual claim on the throne, but I, I, I'm very, I, I really hope his character makes it out alive because I really, but I, I do feel like he's going to be one of the characters that we have an emotional investment in that's going to die f- defending somebody else we care about, like Brienne or, you know, I, I, he, that seems to be the way his story arc would actually neatly wrap up. And I'd be satisfied with that, you know? Yeah. Well, and you definitely kind of see he, he doesn't have a death wish, but he's definitely willing to put his own life at risk for foolish reasons. You know, when he tries to to run in and uh, throw a spear at the fucking dragon point blank, like it's clearly <laughs> he, he knows he's going to die in the process. You and that tries fucking to idiot. <laughs> um, yeah. That's my favorite Tyrion fucking line. Like where he just sees him, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. you fucking idiot. <laughs> you unbelievable fucking idiot. Right, right. Because he knows exactly what's going to happen. And it almost happens. It wasn't for uh, for uh, Bronn Bron. fucking riding in and dunking his ass into the river at the last second, which was really well done. Like the, the choreography of that, oh, yeah. for how fast those Amazing. things had to happen on frame, all in one frame for our, our minds to process what happened and to have it look right and not be like, wait, what just happened? Where it would, you know. Oh, I, I remember jumping out of my chair when that scene happened on the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, fuck. Right. Like, like, it's, every, everything, like if you were a lesser filmmaker, you would show him writing. Then you would cut and show the dragon breathing fire. And then you would cut again and you would show Bronn jumping on him. And then mm-hmm. they would fall into the water. And then you would cut a third time or a fourth time. And then, it would you, be very then you would show the, the horses getting incinerated. That would be four different shots at least for anyone else. And all of that happens in a single shot. <laughs> and it's fucking incredible. It, it, they, they shoot it like a football play almost. Like it's, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. They shoot it like yeah, this like absolutely. bang boom like. And you see the horse getting burned, like fuck, he got burned. Like it, it, it gives you that visceral moment of like reacting to that that kind of like fake out, and it, it's it's amazing. And Danny's in the shot too. She's just like, I'm right in the middle of this, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, that's right. Because he wasn't going to go yeah. stab the dragon. He was trying to stab her. He was trying to get to her. No, oh, yeah, he was trying to end the. He was trying to end the 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 you know the the uh, foreign invader, the foreign whatever they call her, foreign conqueror. Yeah. Yeah, but still, I mean, um, talk about an emotional to protect his you, sister. Wife. You don't want that dragon harmed. You don't want Jamie harmed. You don't want Danny harmed. <laughs> you don't want, you don't want the like, horses oh. harmed. But you're still just like this has all been set in motion. Now that he's going, he's doing it. It's just, this is yep. what's going to happen. Um, yep. yeah, Lannister red shirts. No, you know that that's fine. That <laughs> oh was yeah, amazing. seeing them get guys. fucking that's... cut down by all the Dothraki <laughs> and like blown to shit by the dragons is amazing. Yeah, I was a little um, bit kind of like, oh, what's going to happen to all that, uh, all that uh, uh, house Tyrell gold? It's going to get melted down to fucking nothing. But I don't know if the dragon fire is that hot. I would imagine so if you have kept it on there for a while. But 
Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the dragon fire is the only thing that could forge Valerian steel, so it's got to be hot oh, enough to melt gold. It's also the only thing hot enough to melt a ram's horn, if you remember all the little bits of the episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's and that's you know obviously going to come in uh, come into play in a huge way when it comes to figuring out a way to actually beat the Night King and the, the Army of the Dead. Which still, like, they've done such a great job of making it seem like an absolutely impossible task. And when a show where it's like, well, obviously the narrative is, you know, the humans are going to beat the Night King and then they're going to fight for the throne themselves. But I still am like, how the fuck are they going to do? Like, the only possible way is that they get John and the Night King in a one-on-one, you know, sword fight and 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 John manages to to get the drop on him, but that's the only way I could see it. Well, okay, so we know they're never going to defeat their army. Like they're in, sure. in, in, in a, their replenishment is infinite, you know, like anytime you they kill like a Dothraki or whatever, they're going to come back and fight for them. Yeah. So it's like, I don't see how they're going to have, uh, you know, a huge build up to the the White Walkers and then they have that battle first and then it's on to King's Landing. The only way this plays out, because Winterfell, we know that this could be the longest battle ever filmed ever in any movie, uh, is going to be the battle battle of Winterfell. We know that's going to happen towards the beginning of the series. Episode three. Episode three, like right. Now. So what I think a lot of people are expecting is that the, the good guys are going to lose that battle. And and the final battle is going to be at King's Landing, but it won't be the, the as epic of a battle, but it'll be like the stakes are higher. Because they've made it all all the way, right? And you got to remember, though, there's yeah. all those those uh, you know, there's this this huge crypt under Winterfell where all the fucking dead heroes are buried, right? And we know that that that's is, an interesting. <laughs> we yeah. know that uh, you know we, we can get zombie Ned Stark. Can we get zombie Ned Stark? Well, he's been dead a while, so I don't know if they can just have a total. You know, it's got to have some flesh still left on the skeleton, right? But I don't know, man. Like some of the some of the the zombies that fucking um hard home were like yeah but after, after like straight up years, bones there's not much left besides but you know this is pre-embalming uh, uh conceivably uh <laughs> maybe he's like hermetically sealed like the fucking sure. popes well, and shit so like, if, you know, you're, like, if you're a uh, uber obsessed fan like me you've probably watched a lot of um sort of uh trailer analysis videos theory videos where they they freeze frame stuff and it's yeah. like here's aria running through a hallway at winterfell terrified well what what would make her terrified not many things, right? Would a would a White Walker by itself make her terrified, or would a very specific one of somebody make her terrified? Like or yeah. or does does the fucking you know the, the a man has no name? Does he catch up to her at some point, and he shows up there at Winterfell? Like, what would really make her afraid? He, he seemed like he was happy with where what happened with her. At the like he kind of get like I don't I, I didn't get the sense that he was mad that she kind of left. Like he I think that was actually well, who says what he was mad. trying to teach her. Who says he's mad? Maybe he just he shows up there for entirely other reasons. I mean, their whole his whole thing was the, the the house of black and white was being basically a death cult, you know, where they they were killing yeah. people for for hire basically. So what if someone hires you know who knows maybe somebody maybe Cersei hires him to go kill. <laughs> <laughs> you know the, the start it's possible I, you never know but i think your first your first theory is right that's probably the walkers like as it, it seems like that's they didn't show much in the trailer like i think this what we saw in the trailer if i had to guess 
is almost exclusively from the first three episodes. Like, I'd be shocked if they showed us things from beyond the battle. Yeah, same as same as trailers. Walking Dead or or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. The, I mean, the th- a lot of the theories are like basically this huge battle is going to happen at Winterfell. Um, the huge fire you see in the distance that goes all around the whole castle. So they're trying to keep out as many of them as possible. Um, yeah. you know, some of that stuff, but it's like, I don't even care. Like it's the show's so good. I don't care if it's something is, I'm, sorry, is yeah, I'm just ready to like let them show me whatever they want to, you know, like d- d- fucking play it out. Like, I'm not going to be yeah. like, Oh man, that's not what I wanted to happen. I'm just going to be like, Oh, actually she was know. running from this thing, which means this prediction was like, I don't give a shit about that kind of stuff. It's just, it's interesting yeah, to, exactly. to look at those little tiny details and see people who can extrapolate, uh, that much information from a single frame. <laughs> Unless this show really fucks up this season, which I cannot imagine the show not sticking its landing, it's going to go down as the greatest TV show and, and you know drama TV show in history. Like I, 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 I for me personally, I, I would have to put it above Breaking Bad if this last season. Oh, is by far, last season Breaking Bad. By far, I mean, you know, and which is no slight against Breaking Bad, you know, still one of the greatest shows of all time. But it, it's just this show is such an amazing feet on so many levels where it's got the character work of a show like breaking bad and the amazing epic scale of like the biggest fucking you know war movie or whatever you want it like any kind of i mean i would say any one season of this show is better than any other entire series to to tell you the truth i mean you look at how many amazing things happen just in one episode just the the end the the finale of season five everyone remembers that john snow gets killed that's also the, the the climax to like eight other storylines um is that the one with cersei blows up the sept no that's that's, that's the finale six. that's that's the finale of the next one which is in its own yeah, yeah. way an amazing episode amazing episode as a standalone um because it's one of the few times amazing. that we get to hear um i think there's like a piano arrangement in that episode which we've never heard in any other episode before and it really stands out uh because of that but she blows that thing up in like the first 20 minutes right like that that's the yeah. just at the very beginning of that episode um so yeah it's it's uh there are some episodes of the show that are better than an entire season of other shows there's some i mean the, the fucking battle of the bastards is better than any war movie i've ever seen like oh, you know that's one of the greatest yeah. battles I've yeah ever i mean it's a little there's a it. few moments that fe- seem surreal where you're not really sure like how you know that many bodies could pile that high on top of each other but it's it's just kind of like sure. chaos you know uh the the it was filmed so well too. it was like the, well the, the, and the then claustrophobia the, of like the, 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 the circle the, as they're closing in it feels very <clears throat> uh tactical like the the yeah. moments that you could happen just in a few seconds they drag out for minutes and it makes it that much more terrifying and that was that was one of the things george martin always said he was like well i want these moments to be scary i want them to feel like real war i want people to to be afraid that these people are going to die because they're going to die <laughs> you know um well, it's, it, people thinking and that that moment yeah go ahead don't no, well, I was going to say that in that moment, too, is like the great the greatest illustrator of the dichotomy of like all these characters, because you have John who, you know, you agree was right. Like he really does know nothing. He's not the smartest character on the show by far. He's probably the bravest character on the show, but he's not the smartest guy on the show. He's a lot like his father or his uncle, I guess, uh, Ned. And, you know, you have Sansa, who is the smart one, who 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 like 
kind of almost foresaw like you know it, even though john was like don't you know don't get little finger like I, we can do this blah 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 he knew that ramsey was smarter than john she knew that ramsey was smarter than john so she you know kind of came in like to to save them from the fucking that the, the crunch of that that like you know that encircling horde and it's like this just amazing moment in the series where you're like like they can't bring him back to just fucking kill him again like no, they can't do yeah, that shit no, of course but that was, it was just so crushing big, like you know but then it was like oh my she god she knew how how just evil ramsey was that he would mm-hmm. do things to get john off his game right to to fuck with and, him. and had no honor whatsoever with and, him, like, and the, the thing with rickon i mean jesus christ rickon don't run in a straight fucking line zigzag. Zigzag. fucking zigzag my god the other th- thing i love in that i know, I know football they, doesn't yeah. exist but this is not a fucking hard <laughs> concept you know i mean you went to film school like i did so we know kind of like mm-hmm. the rule of three you know mm-hmm. repetition of like showing a thing three times and you know when, yeah. when ramsey's shooting those arrows that third arrow misses and and you go oh he made it and then that fourth yeah, one exactly. fucking hits something like, oh my god, they broke the fucking rule of thirds. And you like, like when I think they don't even show him launch the fourth one, which is why it was even more. Oh effective. yeah, well, like, and, he and the music, the, the scary music stopped too. So you thought he's in the clear. So yeah, they know all the ways. And then to all of a sudden, here with us, and then wax him. Yep. Yeah, yeah, amazing, fucking great filmmaking. And the guy who directed that episode. Uh, the Battle of Bastards and directed Hard Home, which is the first amazing scene where you see that horde of z- zombies that attacks John and everybody in season mm-hmm. five is directing the Battle of the Bastard or, or is directing Battle uh, the Battle of Winterfell. of Winterfell. Yeah. And he's a fucking great director, that dude. So I'm, I'm very confident <clears> that that's, and that's supposedly the longest battle ever committed to in, in cinema history. It will be good. Yeah. It, well, the continuity of, of their stuff on the show is really good because so many scenes are just two people in a room talking you wouldn't expect yep. that like the battle sequences would have good continuity where you have a sense of, of movement and the location is either, you know, being destroyed or they're going in a certain direction or now they're here. Now they're there. And they do a really great job of that. Even with the, um, you know, when, when Stannis tries to take King's landing, it's not just like, Oh, there's a battle That's all over the city and it's all chaos. It's like, no, it's focused in a very small spot. Here's the beach. Here's this wall. Here's the door. Uh, here's where they are on this little stairway behind the door, you know, where they're going to give a speech. Like it's very localized or the, the hard home, there's a wall, there's a cliff, there's a hut and the, you know, the, the giant is inside it and there's a dock, you know, and and we know where these things are in relation to each other because they just build a really big fucking set piece where they can shoot from an angle and they can do, you know, a CGI shot where you show the whole thing and you can see all the boats and you can see people running and you can see a huge cloud coming over the mountain and you're like, oh, fuck, that cloud's going to kill, you know, we're going to die. <laughs> it's like they build like almost like a playset or like a like a just like, you know, when you go to Universal Studios and you see like the one little scene. But it's like they do so they have such a great uh, they make such great usage of of. of a small area like that where it's or like a big area like, the the, know, the fucking big... when they're out in that little rock island in the middle of that frozen fucking lake you oh, know when you see what... which wasn't even a real lake they made oh yeah that no that was lake, all fake and then crazy. just like the 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 way they had to make the ice look on there which is just concrete right and they spray paint it and everything looks phenomenal um just th- these massive set pieces or the fucking i mean there's a, they have a coliseum for one scene only that, that looks better and more realistic than the fucking Ridley Scott gladiator, 
you know, and this is just mm-hmm. a TV show and they only used it in one scene. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, and, and way no, smaller amazing. budget too. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I mean that, that basically covers Jamie. I, I think he's obviously, I don't think he'll end up on the throne. I think he'll probably end up dying in, in one of the final battles. He might even end up dying to protect Cersei, but it'll be a, it'll be an honorable moat. Like, you know, like it'll, mm-hmm. it, I, I think she might end up with a little bit of a face turn by the end of the series too, you know, to, to your point. And we'll talk about her a little bit. Later. Yeah. Well, they I, said I that every single principal role. character is going to be involved in some battle at some point in this season. So that means sure. Cersei's going to have to fucking wield a sword or knife or something at some point. Right. So clearly she's going to yeah. be <laughs> forced into a position um, where she can't deny what the real threat is anymore. Yeah, Sansa we talked about. Uh, I, I think her character, you know, is, is another one that even though she was a Stark, she was like always the worst Stark. You know, if you don't count like the the, the little shitty like Rickon Stark or like whatever. Um, but she was always, you know, kind of the, the the one who was like, you know, really self-involved and really like wanted to be a princess, like the total opposite of the Arya type character. And she's had such horrible things happen to her on the show that she's she also is kind of moved into this this almost cat stark like kind of poise and like you know it you don't think of her as that same sansa anymore at all like she really you know she comes across as as the lady of winterfell like she's she's really a character that you want to see you know i i would love to see her you know like you know as the leader of winterfell you know with john and daenerys kind of on the iron throne at the end although i'm sure we're not going to get all the characters we like, you know, still standing by the end, but like that in an ideal world, I think that's an actual good outcome for the seven kingdoms where they're going to be ruled by benevolent, you know, leaders or maybe, you know, I don't know. Not it, it's really, I mean, you, you saw what happened to Danny when she had to, to actually, when she liberated Marine, then she had to start making decisions yeah. that people didn't like, you know, to, to keep order. So it's you, you see the the difficult position they're in at some point where you know, they have to become unethical just to just to run things at a certain point. And there's certain people you don't want to have to see them put in that position. Well, you also wonder, you know, the whole there's always the, the, the one of the big themes of the series is obviously Daenerys talks about wanting to break the wheel if by the end, you know, the Iron Throne is going to be destroyed and someone like Daenerys and Jon or whoever is going to end up trying to set up some type of a, uh, some type of a, de- a, a democratic system or, or parliamentary system where it's not just you're ruled by the ruling class. Like, I, you know, I, and maybe that's like our, you know, kind of socialist projections on the series where we want to see that happen. But I, they they don't seem like characters who want to fucking lord over people. You know, none of the people that we like seemed for the most part other than maybe Cersei seem to be the type that want to actually rule and like hold power over people. Sure. Like to, yeah, I, I, I'm curious how that's going to shake well, out. I mean, you of... remember the, the vision that Danny has when her dragons get stolen and she has to go like scale that tower and go through there and she goes in You're and fucking, suddenly yeah. it's, it's winter inside the red keep and the roof's gone and the windows are smashed out. Right. Yeah. So, and that's not an accident. Prophecies on the show come true all yes, the fucking time. Yes, there are so many, there's so much foreshadowing uh, and also false foreshadowing where um, when uh, uh, when uh, Varys smuggles uh, uh, Tyrion out of King's Landing, 
first thing they start talking about is like, hey, maybe there's a better way. Like maybe you can go be uh, an advisor to somebody who would be an ethical ruler. He's like, well, that's right. You know, yeah, I'll never sit on the yeah, throne myself. And it's just like, you know, did they did they just tease the idea that may, actually he will at some point, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, more on that shortly. <laughs> but yes. So um, I, 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 I really, you know, that'd be an interesting thing to see happen. I, I don't think Sansa has any, you know, kind of eyes towards the Iron Throne, but I, I would like to see her, you know, as the the queen in the North or whatever the whatever her title would be. Because uh, obviously, you know, John's going to be the king. You know, he's going to be he's going to sit in the Iron Throne, or he's going to be dead. And like, he's not going to go back to being the king in the North. Like, he's he, you know, that's like like Pete Buttigieg. If he whatever he ends up doing is not going to go back to be mayor of South Bend, probably. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? he might. He might actually. Or he might. Well, yeah, that's bad. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not once once you level up, you're not going to just go back to slumming it. Unless your name is Mitt Romney and you decide to, you know, <laughs> go be a senator after losing the, the you know, sure. Well, I think pretty the, easy election. The, you know, the the way it's going, the the prophecies we've seen, and with the sort of political underpinnings of doing away with the monarchy completely, there's not going to be a throne left for anyone to sit on when all this comes to it. Yeah, maybe. And and that's, I think that's it's the, very possible. The, it's not like anyone's going to get it, but then it'll be like, Oh, what a tragedy. What a bitter irony. But now they finally got it. And then, you know, close the show. They're not going to do that. There's going to be something that fundamentally happens that changes everything. You know, the way that everyone lives. I hope we see like a flash forward 20 years to whoever ends up sitting on the throne, whoever ends up winning in the end. Like you see the kind of what they've managed to transform the kingdoms into and whether they're even kingdoms anymore, if they're, independently ruled or whatever whatever we end up seeing happening i think that that's it'll be tricky because they don't really do time jumps much in this show it seems like a very consistent movement of time from season to season yes yeah but there's also a theory that this whole story is being told by an old version of sam in the citadel which is why the opening scene in the like have you heard the series? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, where, where like the oh, in the in, in the intro video where it shows the Game of Thrones, you see a lot of the same instrumentation in that opening video from season one that we later see in season six in the Citadel, like you know uh, where, where all history of the sure. Seven Kingdoms is kept. So, so we've talked a little. There's bit a chance about they flash before, forward to that, yeah, you know? about how you know what this world is because clearly mm-hmm. uh, multiple seasons or multiple years can go by within one season right so what what kind of planet are we on here where they say things like winter is going to last several years this time it's going to be a bad one you know and and then you notice in the intro when they're they're flying across the con across the continent you notice that the the globe is concave not convex almost like we're on the inside of a sphere not on the outside of a sphere which is a little unsettling. I don't know if you ever noticed that before. I never noticed that, but so, and I, I feel like I've heard that, like some people think it's like the inside of earth or it's like, you know, like the whole concept of middle earth, like in right. Lord of the Rings is where it's a similar, or, you know, it's a totally another dimension, you know, like in a long time ago in a galaxy far away sure. type shit. Um, I haven't thought too much about it. I don't think it's earth obviously, but who fucking knows? Maybe it, the series is going to posit that this is earth, you know, 5,000 years in the future and they'll stumble across like an old iPod or some shit. Like, <laughs> it'd be stupid. Know? It'd be like, yeah, it'd be like that. Yeah. It'd be really stupid, but it'd be like uh, that Christopher Reeve movie. Kind of thing, yeah. Where he finds like a penny in his pocket and he's like, Oh no. 
Oh, that's a good movie, by by the way. Yeah, that was that was filmed in uh, time. Uh, what the hell is it called? Somewhere time, in time. Uh, somewhere in time. Yeah, yeah, they filmed that at the that Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island, uh, in in the oh, yeah. the straits between um, Lake Superior and Lake Huron, is where that is, and it's like one of the biggest hotels in the world. It's just that it's like like a thousand feet long rather than tall right but uh yeah it, it, it's great uh, one of the you just ironically a uh, few places in the america where cars have always been banned they were only legal there really? for about two years and they were like wow cars are terrible we should ban them and then they did and they never been allowed back so you can ride a horse the whole city the whole island the whole island oh that's not yeah right. i mean there's a couple little towns mostly a tourist trap but uh it's a, the circumference of the island is about eight miles and you can ride a bicycle or ride a horse and there's no cars and it's great. Uh, anyway, pretty cool. Off on a tangent. I wouldn't mind riding a horse around. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty fucking badass. Yeah. Really be really painful after like a day. Oh, two, your, but, um, your, your groin starts to hurt immensely after about a day. I, I did it like once, uh, like what, like just as like a, you know, like a lesson or whatever. And it was like, Oh, this is not for me. This is for other people. Yeah. Like, well, not- when the horse decides that you're <laughs> um, not in charge anymore, that's when you start being terrified because when it wants to really gallop, like, you know, all four hooves are off the ground. It's running at 30, 40 miles an hour. And you realize that like, you can't get it to stop. You know, it's not like a bicycle. Like, Oh, the bike's going too fast, but I can hit the brakes. Like, no, (laughs) you can fucking animal that could crush your skull. And if it wants to throw you off and then kick you and kill you, it will like, if it can just decide to do that and do it. So, uh, credit, credit to all these actors who, you had never been in a movie before or a TV show, let alone ridden a fucking horse and tried to act at the same time. Uh, I feel like there's got to be one of them who's terrified to do it every time, like Braun or somebody who's just like, oh, just fucking yeah, this well, fucking Amelia Clark had never, it was, this was her first job. I mean, she started this when she was 22 years old. This was her first acting role. Yeah, had yeah. never ridden a wow. horse in her life. And on day one, it was like the first scene she was in, she had to ride a horse. <laughs> She really developed as an actress. Like she was not great every consistently in the first couple seasons. You know the kind well, of like, "Where Are My Dragons" era. Yeah, and she's such a great part of the show a, now. Like such exactly. a great. But that's that's part of the development of the character and the actor together. Sure. Um, I, I was going to mention this before, but you know, a lot of what we uh, we see that is so horrifying isn't gratuitous violence. It's reactions to things off camera, where we hear the sound of it. And we see the the people reacting to something horrible, and we our own imaginations uh, fill in the blanks. Um, the scene where Shireen Obviously, is being mountain. Uh, burned to death, they never show it. You hear her screaming. Yeah, I was so I was binging the show uh, for the last few weeks, and a couple nights ago I fell asleep, and a few episodes went by, and then I woke up to I woke up panicked, hearing the scream, and it was that scene where Shireen's being burned to death, and you know, I mean, she's just a, a little kid, but she's still an actor. She's still doing the work of an actor. People don't really think of it as work, but it like if oh, you're yeah, reacting to it emotionally, going, "Oh my god," that means the actor's doing something amazing for you. That you are forgetting that it's not real, and you are viewing that the way you would a real tragedy. Um, and then also credit to the actors who are reacting to nothing, basically. Um, the faces yeah. of the actors who are horrified at what they've done, realizing like, oh, we just burned a child alive. Like <laughs> that scene is so much more affecting, especially probably for you on a rewatch, even more so because of our relationship with Davos and the way he's 
in a lot of ways, the kind of like audiences kind of window into the series. He's very much an everyman who's kind of, you know, he, he always says like, I'm a shit fighter. Like he's just been around and he, and he's been like kind of a noble guy, which is why he, we've, you know, he, he's managed to stick around and become a fan favorite character just because he's kind of dry and funny, but he's also this noble character and his relationship with Shireen in the series is so like, you kind of, kind of, you know, pure and like amazing. And, you know, when Stannis was never really that warm with her. So when he sees that she's fucking burned alive, he's just like, this is fucking like, he, he's, well, he's not there he's when it happens. Horrified. And if you remember, he, or when he finds he sends, out, yeah. he, uh, Stannis sends him away and they're foreshadowing what's going to happen without saying it. And he's like, Oh, well, you know, cl- let me take uh, your family with me. Cause they shouldn't be here for the siege. He's like, nope, family stay with me. And he's like, no, what, what about Shireen? And he's like, nope, she's staying here too. And you know that it, it's coming if he's sending him away, right? Because he's the one person that would never go along with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. just just that, that that young woman, I don't, I can't remember her name at the moment, who plays Shireen. I mean, she's great in all the scenes, but that scream, it's not uh, just like a little kid scream. There is like a rasp and like a hoarseness to it where it's like she's screaming so hard that she can't get her get the scream out like and then it goes up higher and higher in pitch and you're just like you can't fucking take anymore of hearing that sound knowing what is happening in the scene and watching the reaction of people's faces who are watching what we what we're not seeing right and that that's especially just when it wakes you up. especially when it wakes you up and you don't know what the fuck's going on um <laughs> but yeah just such such credit to the labor and the work of those actors uh and the showrunners and everyone on the show that they can make a scene that affecting i mean i think it's only gratuitous if you stop feeling something at a certain point as long sure. as you're still reacting to it they haven't gone too far and and the show was guilty of some gratuity early on but i think that's mostly gone like and anytime they show like nudity now it's usually to serve a purpose in the storyline or anytime they show like a, a death or anything like that it's it's it, you know like <clears throat> The, you think about a death like Oberon's death in the fourth season, which was fucking horrifying. Like one of the maybe the grossest moment of the entire series. I, I don't know that that was gratuitous. Like I think that they by then they've kind of, that was like when they first started kind of really honing in on what's going to be affecting to the audience, especially like you know going forward. Like I don't think that they made a big, you know. You know, Stannis gets killed like off screen. Like, there's it. The, the series is oh, not so trying Ned. to gross us Ned out. Ned gets killed off camera too. Like you, you see yeah, that, that sword swing, and then they they cut to it. Um, you know, one, one of the, the few only... actual heads you see actually get chopped off is when Jon Snow does it because <laughs> they want you to be like, oh <laughs> shit, he's. You know, he couldn't swing to feel the weight of that moment for your wife, but he could do it when it was this fucking motherfucker that calls him a boy and challenges his uh, his uh, claim to be king of the north. So, yeah, I I don't I think that everyone has a different limit to what is gratuitous for them. And I'm glad that they went as far as they did, because I want to me I want to feel uncomfortable during those scenes. If there's something horrible happening, like uh, Joffrey torturing prostitutes. I, you should, everyone should be uncomfortable watching that, you know, and if they don't do it well, then they're not doing the, they're not showing it honestly. And if you want to show horrible, evil people, you got to show the horrible, evil things they do. So, and and the only kind of gray area, icky thing that the show did was in season five with, and it got a lot of, you know, controversy at the time even was the, 
wedding night with Sansa and Ramsay. And I think the show got a lot of criticism for the way that they shot the scene where, where, you know, Ramsay rapes Sansa. Like it's a really fucking horrible, brutal thing for them yeah, to show. They don't show it. I think, I think they, they just show, well, so, they show eh, Theon, they show Theon, his reaction to it. And you hear the sounds, but of they it. got a lot of shit. They got a lot of shit for showing it from his, making it seem like this was something that was, I think they were in an unwinnable situation because they, they, it was in the book and they wanted to keep it in there. They could have worked around it, but what they did was they showed it from Theon's perspective and how it affected him. And a lot of people were like, well, you're just taking away the way it affects her and you're making us focus. Well, I on disagree the way it with that. They, they don't remember the scene then obviously, because it's clearly. Well, this was like the day after it aired. Right. I, there was a million things. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying this was a big, this is probably the biggest controversy the show ever had where people were like, fuck this fucking shit. Like a lot of people were like, I can't watch a show anymore. It's too well, gratuitous. Should they like, just I, show the door thing. close and then you hear some muffled sounds and it cuts to another scene? No. You know, I, I, <laughs> you know if, if you're seeing a horrible no, thing like that, that happen I, in the movie, then you should, there should be enough awfulness there that we experience that why my only note as a producer would have been like it, it went on too long like that that it it it, it began to feel gratuitous like i remember that scene and maybe it was just because of how horrible it was i remember that scene being like three fucking minutes long no like, it's, it's like 13 good. seconds i just watched it two days ago yeah, <laughs> it's right, so this is what i'm talking about is if they do a good job of storytelling they don't have to show very much for your brain to make up the rest Right, and when you go back and you watch I, it, it's, I, it, it, it was a weird thing for this. It, it, like it maybe, I don't know, or at the very least, if you're going to do that, maybe let Sansa actually slit Ramsay's throat and not like let her feed him to dog. Like I get the symbolic, you know, nature of it, but well, I don't yeah, know. It, it just felt a I little. I think this show me, always but. does give its gives the audience what it wants, but you have to wait for it. You know, it's it's like Arya is going to get her revenge, but it's not going to happen the next episode. You know, it's going to take. Well, so I mean, Arya's revenge is to kill Cersei, though. So that's going to be interesting if that's even going to be something she's. But the thing is, I don't even think that she's going to she's going to get to that point, nor does she going to care at that point, because you remember when she goes and she she, you know, is supposed to kill the 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 actress that's playing her in a play day after day, this comedy. And after kind of becoming friends with this person and not killing her. She starts to see Cersei in a different light because they're most of that play is a comedy except for that death scene. The, the, the actor playing Cersei has this great monologue and uh, you know, uh, uh, Arya kind of laughs when Joffrey gets killed air quotes in this play version of the events. But then the mother gives this, you know, the, the actor Cersei um, gives this great soliloquy. And Arya is moved by it, and it makes her not only bond yeah. with that actor playing her, but also kind of see it a little bit differently. And again, you know, you go back and you watch these scenes, and you realize how different they are than you remember. Because it, the, the scene where uh, you know everyone thinks that that Ned's going to get uh, pardoned or at least sent to the to the wall, you know, to to be in the Night's Watch, or at least that was the agreement. Um, and then at the last second, Joffrey changes his mind and says, "Bring me his head." Uh, Sansa is horrified, obviously the most, but Cersei's also like, what are you doing? What do you, you can't know. And she literally, she, she grabs Joffrey by the arm and says, stop this madness. So the idea that Cersei was responsible for Ned dying is, is, is not just simply not true. Even afterwards, when um, all of 
Robert's bastard babies are being routed up from the brothels and killed while they're still babies. Everyone was like, oh, that's got to be Cersei. And it wasn't because when she gets confronted about it, she, no, it was Joffrey himself ordered that. It was like it was his first awful. No, Littlefinger ordered the assassination of Bran. Exactly. He did. Yeah. That Cersei wasn't even. And we also thought that was Cersei. Yeah. yeah. So it's like all these things that we thought she was evil about, actually, she had nothing to do with. I mean, she wasn't actively trying to stop most of them that she knew of at the time. But even even Ned, she was like, that's crazy. You can't do that. He, (laughs) you know, and she was the one that probably had the most right to want him dead because he said he was going to expose her fucking whole family as being illegitimate. So if anything, she would be justified in wanting to know. Well, but they were. I mean, you know, know. it's not like she's not justified in killing him because he was going to expose the truth. But, you know, look, no one on the show is a perfect character. Like nobody, like, I think that's the thing with the show is that they're all very, in in the way real people aren't like good or evil. Totally. Fucking nuanced and have layers. Uh, Exactly. And And we've said a bunch of times that, you know, the, the Marvel movies have been great, but in the Avengers movies, you know, a lot of the villains are like, who fucking remembers the villain from, uh, you know, they're almost all, they're all terrible up until Thanos. And then with Thanos, you're like, kind of agree with them. <laughs> so it's, or Killmonger, Killmonger was really uh, yeah, that exactly. Was, you know, you need a, a villain that you feel is justified in most of their actions, yeah. except for just maybe a couple. Right. Um, I think the, one of the, one of the things that Cersei's always reacting to things with vengeance, obviously, but she's not being proactively evil to anyone except for one time. Well, two times, but only one time to a person. The first time was to, to one of the dogs. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Don't remind me. Horrible. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> Cersei is actually kind of the ultimate pro wrestling heel. Like the, the, the big thing that they, people will say about like what makes the best pro wrestling heel or pro wrestling bad guy is they need to be right. Or at least they need to have a point but they're just an asshole about it or about the way they go yeah, about it. Like exactly. they need, but, they, but like what they're doing is not wrong. Like right now, like I, sh- I sent you those clips from uh, that wrestler, Daniel Bryan, who's basically like, he's a bad guy because he's like telling the crowd what slobs they are for eating hot dogs and how they don't care about the planet <laughs> right. and all this shit. And he's like the but ultimate, that's like, who he is. Like, isn't he vegan in real life though? But, and that's who he is in real life. And he's just like, I get to do this. I get to tell a bunch of right wingers in fucking Tuscaloosa when we go do a show there, what fat slobs they are and how sure. they don't care about the planet dying. But they boo me because they know I'm right. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like Batman. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, and so I think that's, you know, Cersei is in some ways the villain, um, but but she's not unjustified in a lot of her actions no she, she's very um, justified and when, when she kills all those those sand sisters and the mother i mean they took her only daughter for no fucking reason you know pure yeah, good. That, was, that was fucked up um some of my favorite scenes to rewatch actually are the ones where um there's there's about three or four of them and they're not real memorable, but they say a lot that I don't think people pay attention to because they're kind of like cool down scenes between uh, major action parts. And it's where a, there's a couple of scenes, like I said, three or four, where it's just Cersei and Tyrion drinking wine together, just as brother and sister and not antagonize each other. And they reveal some very uh, profound insecurities they have to each other in those moments. Yeah. And most of the time they're guards up. They don't trust each other, right? But there is... Are you talking about the last No, season, like I'm talking about seven, early eight, on in the oh. show when 
Joffrey's still king. And Tyrion, Tyrion oh, says yeah, to her, yeah, like, yeah. do you wish he turned out differently? She's like, of course I do. Of course I do. You know, it's it's like with our Lannisters, every other every other one is good or evil, you know, and it's just it's, just, it's like, you know, I got two good kids and I got one evil one. And of course, I wish that he wasn't the evil one and that it was somebody better. But then, you know, Joffrey gets killed off and she's enraged. Of course, she's enraged because her son's dead. But then her other son becomes king and she doesn't like that the you know the technical queen has more influence over her son than than she does so she does the only one of the real unethical things she does to try to stop that which is to rat out uh marjorie's brother for being gay and empowering the high sparrow to do all the shit he did and it totally backfires so fucking religious fanatics right and yeah. it's like she empowered those people to go after the, you know the gay brother purely out of spite and it wasn't a logical move every other thing she does whether it's vengeful or whatever had a logic behind it except for that that was pure just emotional irrationality for her to do so and it backfires horrifically for her every other act of vengeance works out because there was a logic behind it except for that one because it wasn't logical yeah and she paid a really steep price for that you know obviously the, the walk of shame that she took um and I was not at all sad to see her blow that fucking, you know, that motherfucker up. Oh, uh, you know, at the end of season and I'm six, sure, like, that was amazing. You know, maybe she didn't really want to kill Marjorie. Maybe she didn't care. Maybe she did want to kill her. I don't think she but it was like, I had, you got all your people in there. You got to fucking drone that fucking, you got to nuke it from space and any collateral damage. <laughs> Those are Barack Obama moments. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the fucking bell goes flying off and like crushes a bunch of, you know, uh, innocent civilians in the street. And you're just like, Eh, I would have done it too, honestly. Like, if you had that fucking chance <laughs> to, yeah. yeah. I mean, and look what the 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 average people no, on she the had street to take did out to her. Hole. I mean, those people fucking threw shit on her, tried to, you know. Yeah. No. Well, and she had to take out that whole set because they were a bunch of fanatics and they were running the entire. Like, she had no. You know, the only protection she personally had was, you know, the mountain. When yeah. He, you know, then, yeah. Like, and uh, and like, what's his name? The um, the guy that kind of made the, the zombie mountain. He's the only one that like runs up to her and puts uh, a Kyber. Yeah, Everybody else just lets her walk in, doesn't fucking say a word, doesn't do a thing. They just stare at her like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, this is your fucking. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, even though, you know, Kyber and the mountain are, are I would say the bad guys, you're kind of like, yeah, at least they're fucking protecting their mother. You know, at least they're and they and they went, yeah. And I was gonna say that whole season did a long way into sympathizing Cersei and and making it seem like you know what she's maybe just somebody who was born into a really bad circumstance with the father that she had and the fucking shithead son that she ended up having. You know, right? And and she didn't ask to be you know the the illegitimate fucking queen of you know of things like like it, the whole a lot of the series is like you know people paying for their their parents mistakes like or, or you know uh, learning from their parents mistakes somebody like john who you know really tried to follow in the footsteps of ned and the example he set to um, a fault yeah ended up yeah ended up dying being you know following that example of you know just ultimate trust and ultimate like honorability and then you know he learned from that and he's not that same john snow anymore like you know daenerys you know uh, learn from her hopefully you know learn from from the mistakes of of the targaryens you know in the past who didn't rule you know benevolently so it's like the whole series is kind of built you know gendry there's so many characters that are 
like the daughters and sons of these very flawed characters, none of whom are still alive. And that's kind of where the series is going to end up with all these, the kind of misfits and the bastards that you were talking about earlier, the, you know, people like John, who we thought was a bastard, is actually the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. Yeah. And and so maybe Tyrion, and we talked a little bit about this before the show about the, the theory that he's also a, a Targaryen. So, yeah, there's a lot of speculation and and there's actually a lot of foreshadowing in the book, more so even than the series, that he might be a Targaryen. And, you know, the fact that um, Tywin always just fucking hated his guts, you know, you people, the surface level reading is like, oh, well, he didn't he was embarrassed that his son was a dwarf. But um, more than likely, and a lot of book speculation is that the mad king actually impregnated tywin's wife right um, cuz he hated him whose name escapes me he hated me. him way more than you would if someone just died during childhood yeah. that would happen all the time back then uh like tywin's a calculating person but he's not like a a, 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 a deeply evil horrible like you know what i mean like he's a he's a bad guy but he's not like he wouldn't be deliberately he's not joffrey like he 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 knew joffrey was bad news like you know what i mean like he was he wouldn't just be deliberately cruel for his own enjoyment right. He was just very calculating and and well, you know, brutal I mean, in that way. Well, if you want way, power, but... you want as many sons as possible, right? And if you knew that he was actually yeah, the, exactly. the son of somebody who did have the claim to the throne, you would probably go along with the lie, right, to to prevent that from from happening. Exactly. And, and and to just save yourself the shame of your wife having been raped by the fucking right. king. You, everyone like, wants to the have son. bastard sons if they're the father, not if they're not the father. <laughs> so they probably didn't want that last Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but, you know, it's kind of the, the, the dark inverse of the, Ned. Just the fact that when he's sitting on the shitter about to get fucking shot with a crossbow, he says, you're no son of mine. And of course, we're supposed to take that as like, well, my if you were really my son, you wouldn't do this. Well, but if mm-hmm. he really thought he was going to live, wouldn't he say, you know, you can't do this. You're my son. Like, wouldn't he say that instead yeah, exactly. rather than what he says, which is you're not my son. And I think that was really the the real read on that was him in his last moments trying to admit to him, you're not really my fucking kid. And I hate so, you. <laughs> exactly. And so two other big pieces of evidence. Uh, the show has done a lot um to kind of subtly foreshadow it, even in his appearance, like they, the show, I don't know if people have noticed, but you watch him in season one, his hair is super dark by this current season. His hair is like got blonde, like streaks in it. Like it's very, his hair does noticeably lighter blonde sheen to it in the very first pilot uh, episode or the, but it's way more pronounced now. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, and of course, obviously the fact that the dragons are just like, Oh, we don't even fucking know you. We've never seen you with our mother before, but we, we totally trust you. <laughs> we, we've we've seen three people in this series touch a dragon and not get burnt to a fucking crisp. Daenerys, John, who we know is a Targaryen, and Tyrion, who pet a, who pet a dragon and didn't get burned. I mean, you know, that was a pretty big moment of foreshadowing for me. I, you know, I don't know if that's going to end up happening, but that seems to be um, pretty heavily, you know, hinted at. And the interesting thing is that he is the actual son of the last Targaryen to sit on the throne, which means technically he would have even more of a claim than Daenerys or John would. Because John's claim is that he's Rhaegar's son, who is the Mad King's uh one of the Mad King's sons. So he's he's further removed from the throne than even Tyrion is technically. Technically, yeah. Um yeah. 
So it's an in, it's an interesting thought, but he, and again, he is a he would be a bastard because uh, the Mad King never married Tywin Lannister's wife. Uh, it does get a little hard to keep is, track of, <laughs> especially because so many it, it characters is really fucking never confusing seen before. Uh, like the fucking you yeah, know. exactly, but it's I mean it, ultimately it doesn't fucking matter because that's not really what the show is no, about. It, it, you know, it, it's the it's the it, it's what it means to us, not what it means to them. Right. So whether someone technically rules or not, who's the power behind the throne? Uh, You know, Varys is very much, I think the, the real catalyst for all this because you like little fingers, just trying to create chaos. Even if it doesn't benefit him, he says chaos is a ladder. It's the way up. And it's, it's, he says it several times. And the best part of course is when bronze brand says it to him and he's like, Oh shit. (laughs) Because he tells Sansa, you know, <laughs> envision every possible eventuality, every possible outcome, and you'll never be surprised by anything. And that's the one fucking time he's surprised. Well, the one time he's surprised right before he di- besides from right before he dies, <laughs> and you realize he knows that there's no possible way anyone could know he said that in that moment. That was, yeah, that was such a great, to see him, and he did a great job, it, just the actor, you know, did a great job in that scene. Um, of that, like he's a character who's just totally unflappable the entire series. That moment where it dawns on him that, like, fuck, I've I've run out of fucking you know lanes. I've run out of griffs. Like I, they're on to me. I can't like bullshit my way out of this. That look of like realization sure. on his face. And he, but he, he still does it though. It's like amazing. he still keeps trying to do it, even even oh, knowing that, that's who he that is. Fran can apparently see events that he wasn't there to actually witness. He still tries pulling one over on his fucking sisters and clearly did not <laughs> realize the level to which he could fucking see shit. Yeah. I don't think he fully realized. And then, and, but then that moment where he really realizes like that he's fucked, it's just like, you, you see that just all the, 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 the slyness drain from his face. And he's just like, you know, pleading like a little bitch before, before, uh, Arya. Cuts it it was such so a, that, that was, it was, was such a, really a great, nice like dinner theater murder mystery moment. Where it's, you know, you think you like the, the, the killer is about to be fingered and that it's somebody else. And it's like, isn't that right? Lord Baelish. And you're like, they did it. They went full cheese. It was, it was almost like a clue moment, like from the movie. Exactly. Clue. exactly. Like I say, like murder mystery. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it um, was, it was great. And then of course he's like, you know, does all he can think to do, which is to try to talk to people one-on-one where he can lie to them and not be out in the open with a whole room full of people that can all hear what he says at the same time. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, and just in keeping with the theme, wrapping Tyrion up, he could end up again, if, if the iron throne is even still something that's left standing or left to sit on, he could end up sitting on the iron throne by the end. Uh, although they might have to get him a little booster seat, but you know, I like, I like Tyrion. So that, I hope he ends up making it out one way or the sure, other. Sure. If there's like a ruin um, of the, of the throne that is sort of the, the catalyst for, a democracy you know then uh then he yeah. would be the well and he's yeah he's proven that he's he's a very diplomatic voice and a really smart tactician both on the battlefield obviously at the battle of blackwater and you know politically although he made some really stupid uh moves you know and you could say maybe colored by the fact they don't want to kill that many lannisters in season seven to the point where Daenerys was like, all right, fuck this. I'm not listening to you anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to go and burn them all. Um, but he's still a good moderating voice for her to not become, 
you know, the daughter of the Mad King or whatever, like to not just become this murderous psychopath, you know, like I think he's really important to Daenerys's development and, you know, sure. steering her in the right direction. So he's a, he's a great hand. Like, uh, and, and by the way, that moment where she gives him the hand pin was like just one of the best emotional moments on the show. Like you just see it as like, he's just like this guy who's always been told he's this dwarf and he's this half man. He's this piece of shit, like never valued by anybody, even in his own family, other than his brother. And, you know, for him to be like given that honor, like you could just, he, he he's, that dude's a fucking great sure, actor. Sure, but yeah, like, but, but just scene. remember who told him that he could do it in the first place? Who first gave him the idea? Who brought him there and sold it to, to, uh, you know, to Danny? It was very. Yeah. I mean, he, that's the reason why he yeah. fucking smuggled him out of, out of King's Landing to begin with. So, oh, Varys is the secret like guy behind the scenes who's pushing things in the right sure. direction. I just don't. Sure. I think people. He's like the, the first half of the of the show. All these terrible things are happening because Littlefinger is doing the exact same thing. And it's not until we get about you know halfway towards the end of the series that we realize Varys is doing the exact same thing for the exact opposite goals. He's the light side reflection of Littlefinger. There's a lot of characters who are the light and dark reflections of each other. Sure. That's the most pronounced one. Him, Littlefinger, and Varys. Are but but really, you know, you know, manipulating, but for totally different reasons. Assembling this super group of heroes, <clears throat> all of that happens because of Varys. It kind of yeah. does. <laughs> and I don't think yeah, a lot of people no, of realize course, like absolutely. how many levers he's been pulling. Because getting into King's Landing, like I'm sure, was to get the power to be able to have, you know, his little birds in the first place to work his way up to the point where he could be very close to people who are evil without them realizing that he's trying to undermine them to bring about a more democratic ethical society. Uh, but he has to, you know, play the role of being somebody who is awful like them while, while doing it. But you even see that a little bit when he comes down to talk to Ned in the dungeon, when he comes down there and he tells him, what he's really trying to do. And you think, well, yeah, but you'll never pull yeah. off any of that. Look at this world, <laughs> you know? And then you realize like, Oh wow, he's like, really well, doing it on he's, his way. Really- yeah, no, he's on his way. So, um, you know, uh, Cersei, we've talked a lot about, uh, obviously she ends the season, uh, sitting on the iron throne, but it, by all indications, she doesn't think nobody thinks she's long for this world. You know, like it, it she, she doesn't have much of a, an army to defend King's Landing should anyone come knocking should, you know, Daenerys and John and everybody win the battle with the dead and then come back or we, so, uh, you know, she really, which is why, you know, we, when we talked about Jamie thinking it was a really stupid move and leaving to go fight with the living, I think partly it was like that, but I think maybe also partly he hopes that if John Daenerys and the living do end up winning that battle, that he can convince them to, to have mercy and not kill Cersei, just let her live her days out, Mm -hmm. you know, elsewhere or like, you know, to just, you know, move on. I I think he's protecting his, the the family that he has left, you know, the, the baby that she has and, or, you know, maybe has, and then, uh, her, but he also is, you know, trying to, to, to ensure that all these innocent people in King's Landing don't Don't, get, don't get he dragon roasted. Yeah. Well, and the, uh, or killed by the the White Walkers, and I think Jamie, you know, he was like the leader of the King's Guard, and I I think ultimately he does have 
some benevolence about that position still like he does care about the people like even though he was a bit of a snob when the seasons when the series started like you could tell he always did take that job really seriously and the honor of it really so like yeah he, he seems it's just to a be, default setting to, to do the right thing in that respect even if he's doing selfish things for his own uh interests but um yeah i think that's you know that that sense of duty probably got enhanced by hanging out with uh brand of tarth also that she she's so fucking like honor and duty is like her thing and she exactly. keeps vowing to protect people that end up dying and she's just like god damn it (laughs) fucking um (laughs) like i suck at my job yeah i'm such a great fighter but i can't seem to fight the right people at the right time uh yeah Uh, one one other little tiny thing and that this is just you know the whole idea of keeping an oath you know we got a sword called oath keeper uh and then there's Mm -hmm. that'll come the, the the during the amazing wedding scene slash death scene of joffrey you know, uh, Tyrion gives him a book and he's like, oh, uncle, what a great present. And the very next present he gets is a fucking sword, which he, you know, uh, asks the crowd of onlookers what he should name it. And a bunch of people yell out different uh, different ideas for the name of his new sword. And the one he goes with is uh, Widow's Whale. He's like, that's perfect. I'll call it Widow's Whale, which is ironic because, of course, in a few moments, it's his own wife that will now be a widow and will be wailing. <laughs> right. So you almost wonder if somebody, uh, you know, who is obviously Littlefinger's not there at that time because uh, he's, he's off in a boat waiting for Sansa to show up. If like somebody else that knew what was going to happen, like yelled that as a suggestion, ironically, and then that's the one that ended up being picked. But then, of course, he uses Widow's Whale to chop up the book that Tyrion gives him uh, just as like a fuck you. To- he's a fucking. Yeah, it's like yeah, he, he, he doesn't like yeah. it. It's a book. He doesn't like knowledge. He doesn't like learning. You know, he's he's just another little fucking uh, fail son. Fail exactly. son. He's the, he's the ultimate <laughs> exactly. fail son. Um, but yeah, I do. Again, I love all the names of things on the show. Uh, the fact that they have names for their swords like Needle or Oathkeeper or Widow's Whale is just really a whole nother level of like how they long claw. Yeah, I mean, just John again, the idea like we look at all these all these swords and everything as being really ineffective weapons. But at the time, that's the best there was, you know, and they even remark on it like, oh, that that swords, a, that's a castle sword. Like we can tell that's like a higher caliber sword that you usually yeah. see outside. That's, of the that's, that's been in that family's that house yeah. is, you know, possession fits like a that's like their most precious. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that. And we like find high out technology for, as far as weapons go at the time. Well, Valerian steel, yeah, it was the, it was the strongest steel forged, sure. you know, supposedly forged by dragon fire, and we found out that that's the only type of sword that can well, actually kill a white. Walker. And then other little things where the during the red wedding, when um, you know the mother notices the guy's got uh, chainmail on under his other coat, right, and she knows that that's a big mm-hmm. giveaway that something terrible is about to happen. Now, I'm sure you've seen yeah. tons of medieval movies before where people are just walking around wearing chainmail all the time. And it's like, well, if you didn't have to, you wouldn't keep uh-huh. it on. Right. But that level of details. Another thing I love about this show where like, that's if you, if you saw somebody nowadays walk into the room at a, say a restaurant wearing like ta- a tactical a bulletproof, uh, bulletproof vest, vest yeah. and a fucking like, oh, gun on their own. You'd be like, shooting. Oh shit, what's going on. <laughs> right. In, in the same sense that we don't think of those as, as being things that are a thing you wouldn't wear to a wedding dinner. It would it would look totally out of place. So the fact that like they would think about a little detail like that as being a tell, like a giveaway, is really good story. It's really good writing. 
it was a great way to bring our modern fears into that ancient world like where yeah you're right like it like in every other you know medieval thing everyone's like sitting at the fucking dinner table in their armor which is preposterous if you actually think about it but yeah that's that that is an interesting (laughs) yeah yeah, the, the equivalent of a bulletproof vest. You're like, oh, what the fuck you have that right. on for? And, oh, and why are you hiding it? Right. And then, oh, shit, we're all about to die. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but but in any event, so Cersei, um, I'm, I'd be surprised if she makes it out of this alive. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, it, it, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with her character, both in terms of, like, if she makes it out alive and if she becomes a, re- a redeemable you know, a more redeemable, like if, if her arc ultimately is, yeah. is, it becomes like Jamie's arc where it's like, you're totally on board with them. At, at, by I, the I don't the think series. they would have so, her be we'll, we'll in the show this much, this long to kill her off. I, I just, I don't. She's the only character left. Who's not like uh, a character we're comfortable rooting for as not. I mean, I, you know, not, I'm not saying everyone, but like she's the only character that the show has not told you to be comfortable rooting for yet, but I, I would be sure. shocked if that's Well, she's the only real villain who's left, right? And, and the only sure, and you don't yeah. just, it's it's like Walking Dead. You don't kill off Negan. <laughs> you, you, no, you, you redeem re- him. Well, he redeems himself, and you keep developing that character because the yeah, character is too fucking interesting to kill off. Uh, it just, I mean, Lena Headley's in another league as far as acting goes with... Um, as much as she's had to do just with her face and not even with any kind of dialogue, no action at all. She hasn't been in a single action uh, stunt scene that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, no, it's, she's all acting on that show. No, yeah, no. And one of the best on that show, like performance wise, like I, I really can't, you know, there's I, I maybe we'll put Tyrion up there with her, but there's, there's uh, you, you know, know, cause I just watched it recently. It's fresh in my mind, but um the I'm not like a I didn't even like that movie Gladiator by Ridley Scott. I was just kind of like I don't it doesn't mm-hmm. do anything for me. But that Gladiator scene uh, in in this show, you know, you've got multiple fight scenes going on, and Jorah's out there who has recently been uh, kicked out of the family twice in a row, um, and has he keeps trying to get back in. Like, look, I'll kill more people for you. Just please take me back. <laughs> and she's you know really torn. And you know Amelia Clark is on the stage watching this happen. And there's no dialogue. There's just looks back and forth from you know 60, 70 feet away. And they're trying to communicate with each other purely with their looks of like, hey, look, I killed another guy for you. Take me back. And she's like, just you know, doesn't want to, but also is really worried about him and also knows that he's doing this just for her. Uh, and, and her yeah. eyebrows are like just this complete, um, huge range of expression trying to go from, uh, you know, at the same time, not go back and forth, but at the same time convey concern and love and also disdain all at the same time. It's a really fucking complex mm-hmm. scene where there's almost no dialogue. Uh, and, and to have all that going on yeah. at the same time that you have these, these, really well choreographed fight scenes that look fucking real and look fucking dangerous as shit uh, without looking overly choreographed. Um, just amazing. And then to have the huge fight break out afterwards and the fucking dragon come in and the dragons burning people up and they're still throwing spears at it too. Like it's just, that's <laughs> maybe more satisfied. That one scene is more satisfying than that entire fucking boring ass movie gladiator is. Yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. Um, yeah, so you know, uh, Cersei is going to be an interesting uh, character. Are we follow. still talking about her? <laughs> uh, 
Well, I was just wrapping her gotcha. up. So, I, I do um, get carried away, but I, I know we're trying to stick to somewhat of a structure here before we get it into cool. the. That's, the, that's the my job is to rein us back in. <laughs> Approaching hour three. Basically, we're, we're, we're driving in a car, and you're like grabbing the wheel and yanking it this way, and I'm trying to like, but but it, it works. We're getting we're getting to where sure, we need to get. Sure. That's I think that's I'm, the I'm way. I'm kind of more like the Tyler the during podcast. the tells you just take the hand off the wheel and, and put your foot on the accelerator and <laughs> yeah, just let go. I get to shoot you at the end of this then, yeah. <laughs> which, which is nice. No, um, actually you shoot uh, yourself but, in the so, mouth and then I just disappear. That's true. But then you just, <laughs> then, um, <laughs> then I learned I was you all along and I've been talking to myself on this podcast for, for two years now. It's always weird because anytime you're doing a podcast and then you stop, you stop recording, unplug, you're like, I kind of have just been alone in this room talking to, to nobody. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little weird, especially when there's like other people that uh, you know around you or whatever, and you're just like, oh yeah, I've just been talking into this microphone in a room yeah. by myself for two hours. I wonder what your neighbors think now. too when they can hear you talking to nobody. Like, what is he up there fucking talking yeah. to himself again? <laughs> well, so like at my house, how like where I'm living now in Connecticut, that's not an issue because the neighbors aren't like super close to where I'm, I record. Like, we're not like on top mm. of each other. Little, you know, it's a little space but when i'm here home everyone's like home so it's you know whatever but they know i'm podcasting so it's it's whatever um but in any event so you know the last uh kind of villain we have left to talk about is uh of course the ultimate villain in the series the night king uh who you know is seemingly a one-dimensional character for a show full of really rich deep characters um, but I do hope we get some kind of a backstory. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we know the origins of the Night King, like how the children of the forest created him uh, and things like that. Uh, but, but it would be interesting to find out a little bit more about what, what like a day in the life of like a white Walker. Like, do they like go to school? Do they like, because they're clearly there, not just they? like zombies. Well, they're not, they're clearly not like thoughtless zombies. Like clearly the Night King is a bit of a tactician and like has, yeah. you know. Well, we, we so know the Night King I'm curious the what their communications as, as like. Bran does, like, right? And that's the question is, just, or Bran. Is, Bran yeah. yeah, see? Uh, to, say the fucking too close. It just names, depends on what yeah. part of the country you're from. Because I know if you were from Boston and you were trying to say the word Bran, you'd say Bran anyway. Yeah, Bran, Bran. Yeah, Bran. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so there, there is that theory that uh, the Night King is Bran and Bran, you know, because we can see him, he can kind of jump back and forth in time, not just have a vision, but affect events that take place in the past if he's, you know, astral projecting a little bit too hard, um, which, of course, we see when uh, uh, when his young father hears him call his name or when he says father, he turns around. He and, clearly has some and then, physical, of course, with, yeah. With, Hodor uh, and how that all goes down. Oh, You're not really true. sure if that was like a side effect of him taking over his mind or if it was like he sort of did that on purpose because it was a like a sort of a prophecy type thing. But he seems to not know what happened. He seems to be surprised by that happening. So you think that it wasn't on purpose. It was kind of like, oh, shit, I really don't know how to control this. I really don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm not ready for all this yet. So my, what I lean towards since we do see the living, I, like, so the, the implication when we see that scene of the children of the forest making the night, making the first white Walker, the implication is that that is the night King. And it's, it's even the same actor who plays the night King. So that's, you know, that's the implication. So, you know, my thought is that it's probably not Bran, but there's, 
so the the wall itself was built but build built by a Stark by Brand a, a Brand Stark. Uh, uh, he was known as like Brand the Builder or whatever, like thousand years you know prior. Uh, a lot of people think that that is who became the Night King. So that that might be the weird kind of mirror that they get and why they're connected in the way that they are is that that is Bran Stark, but it's not the Bran that we know. It's his ancestor, Bran, who built the wall gotcha. in the first place. So there's a connection, you know. but it's not physically the same person. But yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the, what we don't really know because there's been a lot of theory that this there's going to be some time travel, like not just astral projection, but like real time travel. And it's going to also sort well, of yeah, reveal the yeah. sort of how time works in this universe where uh, multiple years can go by in a single weather season. Right. But we also yeah. know that, you know, as, as the thread Raven warned him, um, if you stay in any one period of time, you make it stuck there. And maybe that's not just an astral projection, but maybe that mm. really is time. Travel, that's interesting. Right. That he, he, you know, he's, he's there and his body dies in one place, but now he's, he's, astral projection is now physical in the past and he is his own fucking relative you know like a but maybe he is fucking the fucking marty, that marty mcfly the thing where he's his own uh his own uh, uncle that's yeah. interesting I, I i didn't catch that line but they don't you don't say a line like that and not deliver on it you know like oh, that if you stay exactly, in one place too long you might exactly. get stuck there that's 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 foreshadowing do you remember the first time they showed the the three-eyed raven and then it was like oh you're totally different than the guy that you <laughs> are next season. He had like a long <laughs> beard and long hair, totally different actor. Yeah, they recast yeah. him with a much better, with Max von Sydow was a much more accomplished actor than rando old guy that they had in season well, one. You realize how much of this show was developed from a point where they didn't know how a lot of these characters would develop naturally on their own over time, you know, and a lot of them were yeah, like, oh exactly. shit, this isn't just a cameo. This isn't going to be a real character. We got to have a, a better actor play this person, which is kind of like a fuck you. If you were like the, the original cameo version, we're like, sure. Hey, why sure. can't I still play that? No, 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 sorry. You're not. It's like that scene in Wayne's world too, where he's like, can we, I know this is like a bit part, but can we get a better actor? And they bring in like Charlton <laughs> right. Heston to do the well, gas the major one. And I'm so glad they recast this one. Cause the first guy was such a fucking douche Lord, but was, uh, what was his name? Dario. Um, Dario. yeah, the, because the guy they recast him was still kind of a douche, but at least was somewhat likable. Whereas the first guy, you know, totally clean shaven face, long like eighties metal hair, and it was just hated every scene with that guy. And uh, they recast him with at least a guy that had facial hair at the very, very least there. But yeah. so there's a good chance that he shows back up. By the way, with the Golden Company, you know the army that uh, Euron's going to get. I, I there's I think that's where he got sent away to. Uh, yeah, I don't remember because it was I, I such a. Again, I still just didn't care about his character arc because there wasn't much of one. Um, the one, but that'll be interesting because the Golden Company is supposed to be fighting for Cersei. But if Dario's leading some element of the golden company and they're, you know, we end up in a, seeing a showdown between Cersei and Daenerys that could come into play. I don't know. You know, it, there's, it, there's a lot of ways this show could end up. So it's an interest. Yeah. I, there, there's always little things like that, that the show brings back. Like nobody thought Gendry would come back, but now he's clearly like a pivotal character in the finale of this. Yeah. So there's a lot of, the show really rewards like really microscopic fine tooth comb kind of viewing. It, of, it like, really does. Story yeah. So one of, one of my favorite moments with that, that uh, Dario character 
is, you know, because him and, and Jorah have gone through some fucking shit together, you know, and have trust each other. Mm-hmm. And they're both very much enamored with, with, uh, uh, Danny is when she marries the guy from Marine, who's just like one of the masters. Right. And she does it just for political reasons. <laughs> and he's trying to kind of like mansplain to her about the fighting pits and how it's supposed to work. And he's like, Oh, they're waiting for you to clap and you have to clap. And then they do this and then that. And you can tell that, that Dario really doesn't like him. Uh, and they kind of, they kind of yeah. spar back and forth as the, all the ceremony of this Coliseum thing gets underway. And the first fight happens and then it's kind of comes and goes and everything. Then they have like the multi-person fight where it's revealed that Jorah is one of these guys again. And then the guy, the, the new husband, tries to start mansplaining to, to uh, Danny again. And Dario just goes, stop talking. <laughs> Cause he, he's just like, she doesn't want to hear anything you have to say. The only thing that she's thinking about right now is what is Jorah doing here and whether she's going to let him back. And she's going to fucking need to focus on that. And you don't know fuck all about that shit. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> you, can, you can tell that guy's never been in a fight in his life. Right. Too, the guy that, the, the, exactly. The, but, yeah, but that whole, it's like the guy the the character Dario is like totally wants to be the, the one for uh, Danny, mm-hmm. but he's selfless enough that he knows that Jorah means enough to her that she needs to focus on that and decide what she's going to do with this battle. that's about to happen and doesn't need to hear this other guy talking at all. And he just tells him, shut the fuck up. He's all, yeah. And he's also selfless enough to leave when he does. Cause like, he, you know, he clearly loves her and she clearly has like feelings for him, but he knows that he's not anybody. He's not highborn. He's not a King. And he knows that she's destined for bigger things. And he wants the world, the kind of, he wants the, the world to be the way that she envisions it. And to do that, she needs to rule, you know, the seven kingdoms. So he's like, look, I understand I'll go away, you know, and I'll let you sure. do your thing. And he's a rock star, you know, star, like, you know that, like just the personality is a rock star and rock stars know that other rock stars can't always be there for each other. You know, like they have to go be their own rock star of their own stage. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and you know, so, uh, but the night King, I, he's that motherfucker is not making it. It, it. I would be shocked if the series ended up with the night King sitting on the iron throne and everyone dead. Like that would not be, satisfied like it, what would it would be do? artistic but it, i don't think that would there be and never talk like, yeah, what would be the point of that <laughs> it's just like the uh, you know the, the the point of being a almost mindless zombie is you just kill for no purpose right there's no there's no means to an end there yeah yeah so but i mean you know that is a possibility and you know this show has given us shocks before so it wouldn't be unheard of but i don't i i think the show is going to build towards a bittersweet ending where we're going to lose some characters we like but uh the the living will triumph in the end over the over the dead i think um so you know the last two people we have to talk about and i think we could talk about them a bit in tandem but we've been talking about them the whole day for the whole night rather is john and daenerys because those are the obvious two uh contenders for the iron throne if you will and the two people with the most uh legitimate claim um and they're also you know in love at this point uh and they're also related so you know. <laughs> so it's it's nephew <laughs> and aunt basically is the relationship even though they're about the same yeah. age 
Yeah. Well, that way that works out weird. If you have like an older, you know, really way older brother or something um, like, a, you know, your brother's like 10 or 15 years older, 20 years older than you. It could sure. work out that way. Um, but so, uh, you know, it's an, it's an interesting uh, situation because we really care about both of these characters and we want them to both succeed. But, you know, uh, like the, in, t- in a lot of ways, they're two very different uh types of leader like john i i always liken john to like the bernie sanders like didn't really want to be a leader just kind of had a leadership thrust upon him because nobody else would do it kind of a man of the people like with with just these benevolent yeah he's a reluctant protagonist he's a reluctant hero you know bernie didn't even really get into politics or didn't win his first election until he was my age um which i won't i won't tell you exactly how that is you can uh, extrapolate if you know much about bernie but yeah, there, there you go. Actually, uh, whereas Danny's kind of like from a very early age, she goes from being, uh, you know, I'm not going to be a slave. I'm going to be my own queen, and I'm going to fucking take shit over and rule. Uh, and she's very much a, a Targaryen in that sense of feeling that it's owed to her. Sure. Um, in that regard, but exactly. but uh, but she's also got that element of you know overcoming the 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 the, the fact that she was sold as a slave, essentially. Sure. You know, like she's. She's got the kind of foot in each world. Like, you yeah, know. I actually, I saw some people on, uh, or somebody on Twitter that was, um, very much what I consider to be a, a young SJW reactionary. And they were talking about the scene where she, uh, not when she first, um, gets her slave army and then immediately liberates them. But when she first liberates all the people of Marine, they all come out and they like hold her up, you know, like, you know, they're, carrying her around yeah, yeah. they're like oh look at this white saviorism and i was kind of like uh, i don't think that's really accurate because uh, for a couple reasons um most of which the fact that she was also a fucking slave for a long period of time uh on many on different occasions before this takes place and then also again after it and she liberates herself <laughs> and then liberates others at the same time um, and also the fact that she has fucking dragons and everyone that she meets is in awe of her, not just these people that are literally lifting her up. Uh, so, yeah, it was just well, like, you're to, just to that point. Well, did well, the whole trope of white saviorism comes from like this kind of like well-off elite liberal Hollywood idea that like the rich white benevolent, you know, uh, you know, good guy is going to come in and save the poor, you know, brown savage essentially is like the, the ultimate horrible, gross version of that white saviorism. And I, it doesn't really count when your character is somebody who herself is a character that was, you know, of, of, of that kind of class, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same. Yeah, it's absolutely. not well, like she came from, she has royal blood, but she comes from literally nothing herself. She has no money. She yeah. spends half the show trying to raise up enough money to buy one boat, <laughs> you know, and she's willing to take all these risks <laughs> to, to play all these games to do it. I mean, selling off one of the dragons uh, as sort of a ruse to get the, the slave army and then liberate them and be like, Oh, guess what? Actually the fucking dragon won't do what you say. And I'm going to have them burn. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, no, she's, she's the ultimate survivor in a lot of ways. She very I mean, much is. You know, and and at white saverism was also yeah. really applies to the idea that you didn't actually save anybody from anyone. You're just taking credit for it. Right. Or, or you didn't mm-hmm. materially do materially do anything for, you know, um, like I, I would say the, the, you know, the, the movie help would be an example of that. Oh, 
God, hundred percent, or Blindside, or right. movies like that. Like right. Cool. And in this, you have somebody who is going through the same experience, and then uses the the slight bit of advantage they have to do actual good for people. And, you know, but also it's not that simple either where she liberates all these people, but then some of them are like, well, now I have no fucking job because I was happier being a slave, you know, <laughs> or, or it's like the fucking shitheads who were like, Oh, fucking Castro, man. You know, we had it so good before. It's <laughs> right. like, motherfucker, your country was an economic shitter. He, he brought poverty from 50% down to 20 three percent or whatever it was right. national poverty but it was like because you're a rich fuck that did much better under that shitty system right. well and then remember the, the scene where she she executes the guy that the the townspeople of marine don't want executed and they immediately riot and try to fucking throw rocks at her too so it's like you you can see that this is a much more realistic thing where the, the people don't necessarily all agree oh she's our savior she's our savior they're they're fickle they'll turn on her in a second <laughs> you know and, and it's i think that's a much more realistic depiction than just white saverism so are we saying that those guys who threw the rocks were basically like the light-skinned well-off uh, cubans who moved to miami yeah after, no, like, exactly you know, exactly well <laughs> you know but it's also yeah it's also her stubbornness and it's like really the only punishment you have is for any offense to the the royalty is beheading like can't you find a more fitting punishment in instead of because i mean she really that's like she wants to break the wheel and yet she wants to also mm -hmm. decapitate anyone that disagrees with her or disobeys her like find a more fitting punishment if you want the people to not revolt against you you know, find, find some real sure. justice here. And she's not there yet. And that's, that's what I love is they're all struggling to figure out what is the better system? What is the better society? She has a little bit of, and I, she's a character I like, so I hate even comparing her to this, but she has a little bit of Hillary Clinton in her where she um, feels the need to project over, over project strength because she thinks, she thinks her perception is that she would be weak because she's a woman. And then in doing so, she becomes, uh, this, well, I, this is uh, this is a a strained metaphor. I, it's not well, an exact one. I think they all I mean, do like that, that to an extent, idea. where they want a better world, but when it's their own ass on the line, as far as looking strong, John Snow does it too. They'll fucking do it. When the guy insults him for being a boy and says, "I won't obey you," he's, he says, "Take him outside." Mm -hmm. And then the guy, when his head's on the chopping block, profusely apologizes says that he'll obey his orders from here on out and begs for mercy. John doesn't do it because he knows that everyone's watching in that moment. And he knows that he's got to fucking be ruthless in that moment when it serves him, even though they sure. want to change the role for the better for everyone else. And they want everyone else to be more ethical when they feel they're at risk. Well, he knows they, he can't do that if he doesn't kill this guy. Right. Because then he'll be seen as weak and we won't have the, the, the support of his people. And he won't be able to change right. the and, world. But, so I, you know, like, had they turned on him, well, they do turn on him. They kill him <laughs> so clearly, or the, it, it had a, it it, it backfired on him, you know, by being that ruthless when it really was he wasn't comfortable doing it. He was just you know it was his father's bullshit of you know he who carries out the sentence must swing the sword. It, it backfired on him in that moment, and it also backfired. Well, not in that moment, but later on, but it did backfire immediately for Danny when she has this guy's head off, cut off because the the people riot right there, and they, she has to be, uh, you know, scurried away with shields over her head so she should get hit by rocks. So yeah, no, I I think well, it's yeah, you know yeah. to to compare it to Hillary Clinton is probably accurate, but I think they all 
uh, have made mistakes where they overstep their. But, but unlike other clubs, she's not super corrupt and is not doing these things for you know uh, financial gain and or you know accruance of power for power's eh. sake. So I, I, that's why I mean, eh. it's not I would like argue one. it's a little bit of that, but it's it's still. They are young. They're trying to be better, but they're still bound by what uh, the, the the rights of the king are, which is a direct defiance of the king is punishable by death. And they, they're not willing to think outside the box when it's their own, uh, their own legitimacy at stake. All I know is if Daenerys doesn't bring single payer to the people of uh, the Seven Kingdoms, I'm going to be very hey, upset, and I'm not going to support her claim. We're going to end slavery anymore. within seven years, okay? We'll get there. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that we pretty much covered everybody on the show. Um, you know, we talked for a long time. I'm sure we could talk for a lot longer, but uh, this is our, only our preview after all. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, I think I've gotten to every kind of sort of micro point I was trying to get at. Uh, it it yeah. is a, it's it's a great, a great fucking show. Fucking like, show. Yeah, that's... it's just, it's amazing. You go back and watch it, how much show there is. It's the most show that's ever been shown. So dense. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it, you, you say it's a, it, like it's so true though. It's such a dense like you could talk about just the history of Westeros for fucking five hours on a podcast, and that would be compelling. Or you could talk. It's such a layered show, and there's so much shit I haven't even read through and look and like you know uh, kind of gone over and like process. So I I think it's going to make a really interesting six episodes for us. Obviously, the last season is starting this coming Sunday. Uh, and it's going to be six episodes. Uh, it's going to be over in 35 days. I, Can you believe that? I mean, just nuts. think think where we are right now. And then by the time we get to the middle of May, where we'll be psychologically. You know, what, what we're after yeah. everything we've gone through, the everything that's about to happen. I mean, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the last season is a total dud and the, everything else was better. And we're like, oh, that wasn't that great. But I doubt it. <laughs> I think it's going to be, it, yeah, it, they, they put two happening. years into it for a reason. And it wasn't just the special effects. It was trying to get everything perfect to end this, you know, one of the best TV shows, maybe the best series that's ever been on what to television um, to make sure that people are just like, that's it. That's that they fucking, you can't, you're not going to top this for another 25, 30 years on TV. Everyone's going to try with their horrible knockoffs, but it's just not going to be this, you know, Amazon's tried a million times with like fucking all these different shows that are fantasy. And it's like, they don't understand. And you know, it's, it's a fucking faceless corporation run by the most evil man in America. So I, I, it doesn't shock me that they don't understand the essence of why a show like game of Thrones works, but it's, it's a rare show. And I don't think that, uh, people are going to be able to replicate it. Like it's not something that's going to be, it, it was just the perfect confluence yeah. of circumstances that turned out. They won't be able to replicate it until they do the prequel. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> I mean, there's, if they can, if they can get enough writers to churn it out quick enough and they can get another great fucking ensemble cast of actors, I don't see why they couldn't make a prequel. That's just as good as this. You know, I mean, you, you know that the, the, the key is the, Good writing so and casting, right? Like anyone can direct something. There's lots of great directors out there, but if you don't have good casting and good writing, you have nothing to work with. 
right? And that, that's really the key. Yeah. And the, the market for good writing right now is better than it's ever been, where it's one of the most prized things, where you might have a, you know, half a billion dollar budget from production and, and marketing, but if you don't have the writing, you're, you can lose money. You know, look at the fucking Star Wars solo movie. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't anything memorable because they just didn't have good writing. You know, they, they had good people in place for everything else, but the story was just like, why is this even a story at all? And they didn't make a blockbuster out of it. Like they had a, the, the biggest brand that's ever been, and they still didn't make as much money as they thought they were going to. So I think that that is the big, you know, putting the brakes on the Star Wars franchise is like, look, we've got to like reevaluate from the, the very bottom of the process, what we're doing wrong here and why we're even making these things if we're not going to make them good. And I think that is going back to the writing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're going to try to get uh, these episodes out to you on Monday nights. Uh, you know, maybe some weeks that might be an issue, but it, for the most part, I think that should be fine. Uh, we, it's only six episodes, so it's not like the super long-term commitment. Uh, we're going to, you know, have some analysis, immediate thoughts. Hopefully we'll get some time to do a little bit of uh, background reading on some of the things that were implied in each episode. Um, and then it's going to be over and we're, we'll, we'll do a wrap up cast uh, and talk about the series overall and how we, uh, you know, the progression of all the characters and things like that. And yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, if you want to hear us talk about politics every week, you can check our main channel out uh, at soundcloud.com slash move left. Uh, we record a show every uh, Friday, typically Thursday or Friday. Uh, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Patreon if you want to support the show. And that'll support that show and the show, just the general production costs that we have here. Uh, and you can do that at patreon.com slash move left. Uh, if you want to buy some merch from our main show with uh, the Move Left Idiots uh, swag, uh, you can do that at move left mer- uh excuse me tinyurl.com slash move did you left get merch. that link fixed uh, maybe we'll- <laughs> yeah, yeah that's i noticed right earlier uh today or yesterday that there was a little little little, little flaw in the link but <laughs> we got that corrected it sounds like so and maybe you know maybe we'll, we'll throw some like a shirt or something up with the move left uh or with the left of the throne logo on it uh, <laughs> i don't know if hbo will sue us but whatever yeah uh, probably not, not um, likely you know. but Sue me for what? <laughs> um, you know, uh, so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get that uh, out to you guys uh, and uh, be sure to rate, review and subscribe on Apple podcasts. Uh, I am on Twitter at move underscore left. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at chaos riot 1935. See you next week.
Yeah.